Welcome everybody to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. Another edition of the uh, social distancing uh, edition. COVID-19 Coronavirus 2020 Podcast. Nosebleed Podcast. This is how we do things, brother. That's right. That's how everybody does things um, right, right now. Uh, so yeah, and we're uh, we're in Ohio, and they're talking about you know uh, I think Ohio is kind of one of the leaders, uh, not to brag, but it, one of the leaders in uh, kind of making some of the better decisions up front when this first thing first started. So they're starting to talk about uh, you know possibly opening a few things back up slowly and and that kind of thing. So um, we're uh, let, me, let me let me say something on that real quick. Please Before do. Before we go any further. Let me, I got something to say on this. Everybody's excited about the country opening back up, right? We're going to have things. We're going to be allowed to do all this stuff. Let me tell you, I don't think for people that have this, that are in an essential, in an essential business or are currently working from home or any of that stuff, nothing's changing for you. Like, there's no, nothing changing. It is still, you're going to be doing the same thing that you were doing two months ago right now, basically. Like, I can't imagine that they're all of a sudden going to say, "Okay, now that people are slowly opening up, Adam, we now want you to come in to come in and work." I imagine you're still going to be working from home at least for the next month, foreseeable future. Correct? That's correct. They did come out and so, tell us, "Yeah, it's going to be at least through May, at least." At least. So for me, everybody's like talking about, you know, oh my gosh, things we're going to start getting everything going. Are you excited to get back out on the road? Like, listen, I hate to tell you this, but I, I don't know that that's exactly going to happen for me. Just because other places are opening, we've been open. Nothing's changing for us. They want the people that are opening to do the things that we've been doing as an essential business. So I'm not changing nothing, which really, really brought my soul down. Like, <laughs> it broke me down Monday as I started thinking about this. I was like, oh, oh man, I told you guys last week that I thought I had we had another at least another month of being at home, and I'm thinking I don't know how long that I'm going to be in this house. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, as they do start opening things back up, and you're right, it's it's really just kind of like the places that were officially closed are just going right. to start getting back into like you said what a lot of us have already been doing, um, right. and just just like partially opening and going through like having a lot of requirements and a lot of rules yep. put in place yep. to, to really, you know, it's still not, nothing's, nothing's going back to normal soon. Not, um, not yet. No, right. it's not as much as people think that's about to happen. It's not, it's not. No. So I have been in this house for so long <laughs> and I have, I, I haven't driven. I had no, no need to drive my vehicle. Right. If we all go somewhere as a family to a park to ride bikes or something like that, or do these, one of seven billion birthday parades that I've done past people's <laughs> houses, which don't get me wrong, they're fun, but there's something about leaving your house for seven minutes and then coming back. It, it just seems, and, and when you got to get three kids in a car and this, that, it, it just seems like not worth it. Anyway, <laughs> that's besides the point. The point is, I realized that I hadn't driven my car, my vehicle. I've been driven my wife's van. I haven't driven my vehicle in over three weeks and it, the battery was dead oh wow yeah yes so did you leave a dome light on or something or it was just i don't yeah i think so because after i got it started uh i had to go get some horse feed for this silly horse and drove all over town and then came back home 
And as I go, so then, then last night I'm, I'm having a cigar out in the front porch, uh, and I look out and my dome light was on in my car and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I never t- turned it on. So it must've been on for it to die. Well, now my battery's oh. dead again. Wow. I think I just got the The car's like, I don't know. It's old. It's six years old, seven years old. It's probably ready for a battery anyway. So that's, I just wanted to explain how long I've been home and I'm going to have to continue. And that's a bummer to me, dude. It's a bummer. Bummer. So yeah, that's all I got on the coronavirus. Gotcha. It's, it's a, it's a bummer to be stuck and not really, you know, people are going out and doing stuff and they're not supposed to be, but, um, and, and I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I'm biting my tongue a lot. Uh, when I see people like on Snapchat, putting videos and stuff of them, just, just going to their family's houses and going and hanging out with friends and, just Bite because your you're outside doesn't mean that's okay. Bite your tongue because it's going to do you no good. I know. I'm just telling you. It's not going to do you any good. You're not going to change their mind. Nah. It's, it's not going to do any good. Bite your tongue. There's no point in hating somebody nah. or having somebody – getting into disagreement for no reason. No, not no, for no yeah. reason. For a reason. It's for a reason. But for something that's, that, that will eventually go away and then you have to have the sti- you have to have a stigma with that person. Forever, because nah, yeah, you guys I've... got into it. Anyway, that's besides the point. That's the, the internet drama. But uh, <laughs> you know, but the, there are there's a lot of people going out. So my dad came over to jump my car because I don't have jumper cables. And like you know, people that are out and about have been doing a lot of social distancing, right? Like they've been staying away from people. I, I'm in my house with my kids all day, every day. Like there's no there's not a lot of social distancing for me because there's nobody else around. Now, you know, right. sometimes there are people around, you know, in the neighborhood or something. You say hi from, from afar or whatnot. But I know it's not an everyday thing for me because I'm at home all day. My dad jumps the car. I walk right over to him, dab him up. Yeah. Totally. Just <laughs> grab him, give him a house. As I did it, I walked away and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's all good. I got disinfected stuff in the car. He, like, sprays himself down. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. See, it's now just, you both. Now you both have COVID nineteen. You're both asymptomatic because you feel fine. No, um, <clears throat> no, that's that's it's a good thing to to still see your family. Obviously, you know you you guys are are doing it like most people are doing it the right way and and keeping your distance and stuff. But it's it's hard. It is hard. We uh last weekend we we finally my family got together. It was kind of a special occasion. We got together on Saturday and we wore masks and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was the only one that wore gloves because I'm the one that's uh, a freak uh, more so than anybody else. Um, Did you go to your dad's house? We, we went to my sister's house. Okay, so just hang out outside? We hung out there? outside on their deck. Um, yep. You know, we we first kind of tried. It, the problem was it was raining. So they have a big, nice, one of those big, nice, uh, like canopies or whatever, but it still uh, wasn't. Popcorn? Yeah, it still wasn't quite big enough to fit everybody in there and keep everybody at least six feet apart. But uh, the rain stopped. Eventually, we went out and the kids were running around playing in the grass and stuff like that. And the kids, of course, don't they they just can't get the concept. You're not supposed to, you know, be around and touching each other and that kind of thing. So. Um, so you were freaking out the whole time. I was I was freaking out a little bit, but I you know with the with the kids I wasn't as bad because I know it's just yeah. there's not a whole lot you can do. You know. 
Even well, if... I tell you, my kids, my kids yell at other kids. Like, my <laughs> nephews come over, my nephew comes over, nephews come over almost every day, and they either toss baseball, or like, we, I called you the other day, we play around the world. So, we're touching the same ball, I guess, and that's probably not the best, but yeah. it's interactive, but without being next to each other. Yeah. So, uh, but, but my kids, when the other ones get start getting close, they back up six feet, dude, six feet. They'll yell right at them, six feet, six feet. See, that's good. That's a good thing. It's um, pretty funny, actually. So you're teaching them, teaching them right. That's good. Um, okay, so so that's, you know, we're, we're in the same, we're basically in the Have same spot. Have you got to play basketball at all? Have you gone over to your dad's and just threw some shots up? No, and he just took his, his basketball goal down probably for the last time. He's he, he's get, he's getting rid of the the basketball goal that we had there our entire lives, getting rid of it. Just moved it. Uh, we did just move it, and we kind of messed up the the framing of it on the on the concrete pad, so it was a little off center actually. So it was kind of weird, but he decided he wanted to because he just bought a new shed for back there and everything, so he wanted to get rid of it. But my brother's going to be moving soon to a new house, and he uh-huh. they don't have a hoop, so I think he's going to take that hoop with him. And try to get Fix something something nice going there, yeah. So that'll that be basketball hoop has been in uh, been in this family and had a lot of basketball shot on it. Yes, sir. Since yes, the sir. camp, right? Since you took down the old white pole, chain, <laughs> the old chain net white pole, and took it down to the camp. It's that's right. Since then. That was our first one, yeah. and then we we replaced that one with a little nicer one, and now that's all Pretty rusted nice out and everything. Wasn't but... it? Was it one of the gorillas? It's a gorilla, right? It's not a gorilla, uh, but it's like one. It's like the next. The next little thing down from that, it's like oh, the next dude, tier down. Wide, it was so easy to move it up and down. Like for me to move my basket, I needed like a stick. Yeah. And you had to like lift it up, pull it down at the exact right time. And then you had to kind of click it up notches as you go. And then right. Adam had the little, just, just a little crank. Real easy. Get it. You, you <laughs> want it six foot two, it's six foot two. Yeah. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, that was a lot of fun, yeah. man. We did a lot of dunking on that six footer. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. A lot of fun. Anyway, so so uh, I'm going to tell you, Adam, to start this thing off. We are. We always do. We've been doing the dream, the dream team. We've been doing the uh, last dance, right? We've right. been talking about the last dance. We talked about the first two episodes last week. The second two episodes came out Sunday night. So uh, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, and then we always have a comedy segment. And I'm going to tell you that I did not watch uh, Kevin Nealon the comedy segment and I apologize because I didn't watch it but I don't apologize I, I try to watch it the night of the podcast so it stays fresh right. in my mind because I don't remember things very well well I found out today that the 1990 World Series started starts today on Fox Sports uh, and I get all four games over the next four days so I did not watch it I watched the entire 1990 uh, game one with the wire to wire Cincinnati Reds beating the Oakland Athletics 7 to nothing in a shutout Jose Rio, seven innings, uh, Dibs threw an inning, and Myers threw an inning. It was beautiful. Uh, it was wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous. They skipped a few things that I probably would have liked to have seen, but that's okay. Uh, I, I know they got to keep it in a three-hour minimum. So good for them. It was a lot of fun. I did not watch Kevin Nealon, and I will not watch anything else for the next four nights. <laughs> I had my Barry Larkin jersey on. I actually spilled a little something on it, so my wife's got, oh. the, stain, got the stain remover. Uh, getting the stain remover. I still have never washed that since I've since I've gotten it. Wow, man, that's impressive. And that's not very large. So for those of you listening, I didn't get that very large jersey. Uh, you know, like in 1990, 
1990 uh, Barry Larkin jersey with the World Series patch, the uh, American flag patch on it. It was, uh, I, I got that whenever Bob and Steph got, had a baby. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you got married. It was diaper party, right? Yeah, diaper party. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you brought diapers, he was giving stuff away, and he gave away a Concepcion jersey and a Larkin jersey, legit, too, stitched on letters and stuff, like numbers. Like, it's legit. It's yeah. My I'm, I'm, I wore it like four times. I will never wash it. And I have a, I have an Eric Davis one, but it's not like that authentic. It doesn't have the, the World Series patch. Um, so, yeah. it, but it's, it's from that same era. Um, so and I love it. I don't. I haven't watched it, in, or I haven't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I ever washed it, but I haven't worn it in I don't know, fifteen years or something like that. Put it on the bar during the game. Put it on. The yeah, bar I might do that. I might do that. Game four. Yeah. Game four. Yeah. He and Hatcher both got hurt early in that game. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Uh, during this thing, they got the. Beforehand, they had a they had a Reds Live special with uh, Rob Dibble, Hal Morris, and Joe Oliver, which they were playing again afterwards. You were watching, yeah. And they're talking about March shot. Did you see that part? <laughs> yeah. They're talking about March shot. Said, "Hey, honey, it really would have been nice if our fans in Cincinnati could have watched us win the World Series." And Joe Oliver's like, "I just wanted to look at her and go, hey, honey, we just lost." The two catalysts on our team in that game, we had to win that game or we probably would have not won the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, watching, I'll tell you, what, and you and I could sit here and talk 1990 Reds for six hours. Sure. 30 um, years ago, but without a doubt. So, yeah, Wire so, Wire is the best movie to ever, to ever be made, yeah. without a doubt. Best song ever uh, is uh, Red Hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without the best song ever. So. <laughs> anyway, continue. So, um, <laughs> to start this game, so they're playing, like you said, four nights in a row, games one through four, because the Reds swept the A's in 1990, and that's our team. Yes, and and, and uh, it's it's my, I, I would say, the 1990 Reds, the, the 92 Dream Team, um, the 93 Elder Basketball State Championship Team, and probably maybe throw in those those. Bulls teams, the whole, you know, all of the 90s Bulls. All six. Those yeah, are like my years. my favorite teams of all time, any sport ever. And uh, so so definitely this Reds team. and um, But anyway, so they're, so they're playing games one through four. And they before the game, they showed like the, the introductions and everything tonight in game one. And Marge Schott <laughs> took the microphone on the field right before the game started, which is strange enough to begin with. What owner t- takes a mic and goes on the field in between the time the game starts? Yeah, yeah, at that time, like right, like three minutes before the game starts. Um, so, so she takes the mic and she is does not have a way with words. That lady, she is she is rough. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's not the way you want it to be. Um, so uh, she she had you know I'm sure she was. Uh, 78 cigarettes in and, and a few scotches or vodkas or whatever she was she was doing uh i'm sure she had plenty of that stuff in her but she she had a, she was like she took that time to make like her her personal uh her personal little like these are the things i believe in she was saying like yeah. um because i think this was during the the gulf war i want to say 
Yeah. And uh, so she was like talking about that and saying we people in the far yeah, east. We far. She's called it the far east, right? <laughs> The Far East. And then she said, uh, you know, we need to support support the, the troops and all that kind of stuff, which people say. But still, like, she's – this is her, like, personal stage to say, like, you are – like, I expect you to believe what I believe. Because people don't yeah. – you know, people have problems with yeah, war yeah, all the time. At that point in time, everybody was – I mean, that's – Sure. Anytime the troops are out, everybody supports that. The best was this moment of silence, though, right? The moment of, the moment of silence was my favorite. She asked for a moment of silence. She said – she Holy said, prayer. bow your head. She said, yeah, she yeah. mentioned prayer, which people are going to be upset about too, some. And then uh, and then bow your head, and then moment of silence. And then she ended the moment of silence with, what was it? Um, oh, shoot. Good deal. Okay. Good deal. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I was so excited about it that I forgot the words that she used. She said, good she deal. Said, okay. Bow your head. Waits for a minute. Okay. Yeah. No, I think it was good deal. Okay. Like question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, is that okay? Uh, it's so funny. It was. It's the strangest uh, thing ever. Uh, Marge shot was a garbage person, and uh, and uh, but the owner of the Reds, my favorite Reds team ever. So, hooray yeah. for her. Um, so that was fun. Speaking of the Reds being your favorite team ever, your favorite basketball team ever was obviously the '94, right? From '90 through whenever. And this pot, this this documentary, The Last Dance, I thought it was literally about the last season of the Bulls. I know. It is literally about the whole ten-year or eight-year dynasty process yeah. to get to it. This is more about the dynasty than I ever thought it was going to be about. And they are doing a phenomenal job of chronologically bringing this bringing this uh, uh, into fruition where they, they go through this. They're going through the season of the 98 season, and they're co- going from when Jordan was first drafted all the way through now, you know, and he was in the playoffs, and now they've won their first title. Uh, it, it, it's 91 now, and they've won their first title. And this is really a this is a really cool documentary the way they're going back and forth and you can really see the difference in jerry Krause before the bulls were uh <laughs> were, were a great team and as they're great it's yeah. it a little big yeah uh, that's my my only complaint about and it's unbelievable it's incredible it's met every expectation that i've had the only complaint that i have about it is that I feel like it's jumping, jumping around, jumping back and forth too a little much, bit too, much, too much, much for me. A little bit but too much for me. In chronological order, still though. I mean, it's still. It's See, not like they're going. It's not like they're going like ninety-one title and then back to like his rookie year. I mean, they, they're bringing that forward and they're bringing this forward. They're just doing it separately. They are, but they're going like back and forth between. Okay, this is this is happening during the ninety seven ninety eight season, which is the, really what this is the, the core of what this is supposed to be about. And right. then they'll jump back to you know they'll they'll mention something as part of the story of that last season, and then oh yeah, so this introduces this character. Dennis Rodman was this big piece uh, for winning this. So this is the history of what happened with Dennis Rodman, you know, in, in relation to the Bulls and. You know, and then that kind of brought about, okay, so Dennis Rodman was a piston on the bad boys teams and yeah. this whole thing, now this other whole thing about, um, the, 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 the relationship between the bulls and the pistons, bad boys teams. And then you go through yes. the, and then you go back to the, uh, 89 season when, you know, the, the, the bulls lost for the second time in a row 
to the Pistons, who went on to win the championship both years. But before that, oh yeah, uh, that famous shot against the Cavaliers. So um, that's what I would, I'd like to talk. You're right. They, I guess they do jump around more than I thought. I guess they, you're right about that. And 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 it, I don't mind it. I kind of enjoy it. Uh, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people that that definitely dislike it and wish they would just start from 1990 or 1986 and just go straight from there all the way through. That would probably, I would be fine with that too. Yeah. It probably would actually have been better, but because it's the same amount of film, they usually, you know, it'd still be 10 episodes. It would just be completely in chronological order, which I'd be good with either way. But having some Dennis Rodman in the middle of uh, episode three is really fun. So, can I tell you one of my favorite things about episode three? I wish you would. Doug, uh, maybe it was was that three or four? Doug, when the during when the Elo shot happened, the Cavaliers and the Elo shot. That was three, right? That was in episode three still. So yeah. Doug Collins, they asked Doug Collins. They said, uh, they said, so what was the what, what was the what was the play that you drew up at the end of that game? Mm. At the end of the game, and he said, and he just looked at the guy and said. Give the ball to Michael and everyone else get the F out of the way. Yep. <laughs> I was cracking up. Yes. That was so great. And, and that's uh, and that's funny. So that's, you know, a big part of that episode was about uh, Doug Collins. That was one of the things they, they flashed yeah. back to when Doug Collins was hired. Because he wasn't Michael's first coach. He was his second coach. Um, right. And, but Michael talked about we you know i talked last week about michael doesn't talk about anybody else like he talks about scotty pippen but he also definitely loves phil jackson talks talks yep. great about phil and he talks and great about doug episodes, collins in episode four you really see how you you find out in the beginning he wasn't the biggest fan of phil of phil jackson exactly exactly we'll because because of this exact thing because doug collins exactly. he loved doug collins so much because Doug Collins was totally on board with running everything through Michael, giving him all the touches, giving him all the shots, uh-huh. and running the offense through Michael most of the time, almost all right. the time. And so that's exactly what Michael wanted, of course, and um, because Michael felt like he could give them the best, that would give them the best chance to win. Sure. It, but it wasn't happening. Michael was winning scoring titles. He was MVP. That that I think that one, um, yeah, because he said. Uh, Doug Collins said he was uh, he was MVP, MVP of the All-Star Game, slam dunk champ, defensive player of the year, all while, all still while Doug Collins, before Phil Jackson even started coaching Doug, him. That was in Doug Collins' last year. It was Doug Collins, no, it wasn't his last year. Yeah, it was his last year, wasn't it? 88? Uh, was it, it, it may have been it. It may have that been 88. Was, that year was like, that's like the epitome of the greatest you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, defensive player of the year, most valuable player. All-Star Game MVP, slam dunk competition. And I think he won the scoring uh, title that year, too. And probably, well, he won a scoring title both years with Doug Collins, I think. So, yeah, so he was doing great, but then, but they weren't getting over that hump. They they beat, um, in 89, that last that last year, he they beat, um, they beat the Cavs, who were, who were the yep. other, it was like the Bulls and Cavs were the two bit up-and-coming teams that were getting yep. great. Um, and and they beat the, that Cavs team in '89 when Michael made that shot uh, at, at the foul line of Rilo, um, and that kind of so like. Talk, go ahead. It, it projects, you know, can we can we talk about the stuff that happened? Because if you if you're listening to this, I'm, we're going to tell you about stuff in this in the last dance. I would like to talk about some of the things in, specifically about that shot 
Yeah. And some of the interviews they had, because they're interviewing Ron Harper, who ends up playing on the 97, 98 team, right? Yeah. And and that's, and Ron Harper was, you know, one of the better players on that team, if not their best, they they said probably their best on-ball defender. Uh, I don't know why Elo was on the guy, but was on Michael at the time, but Ron Harper said, I went over, he went over to his coach and he said, I got MJ. I mm-hmm. got MJ. Mm-hmm. And they got in the huddle and they're like, all right, Elo, you got Mike. Yeah. And it, Ron Harper's exact words were, he turned around, walked out of the huddle and said, F this BS, we're about to lose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. He knew it was good. He knew it was going to happen and he was correct. Yep. Yes, he was. Although Michael really had to work to get the ball at the end of that game. He I mean, did. He came off like two or three screens just to try to get just to try to get open. Of course, the shot was up. Well, they he just jumped. Yeah, they doubled him. Goes. Yeah, they doubled him off. That's. I mean, they had two guys yeah. guarding him just to to deny the ball. Not they didn't double him after he got the ball. They did not right. double him before he got the ball. the ball. So he he had to get open. He had to get uh, get open from two guys and then beat two guys. Um, and he did. He did that. He was so much faster. That it's that's not really one of the things you think about with Michael is how fast he was. But he was really, really fast. And uh, he did. Yeah. He, beat, he beat them on that play with his speed. Honestly. Um, yep. He so got he got off that corner. He got around that corner on the elbow and just sprinted right back across. Right to to the free throw line and then like double pumped, hung in the air, uh, and <laughs> while Elo yeah. flew right by him. And uh, and he, he knocked it down, but um, that that kind of brings me to a little sidebar that I that I just saw because from this, you know, everybody, the media has all kinds of stuff covering this, you know, the last dance episodes, just like we are, and so right. we're seeing all kinds of extra interviews and stuff, which is great. Oh, yeah. it's so it's awesome getting all this extra information about it. But um, so so one of the things was uh, Roy Williams talking about at North Carolina. Michael, I don't know if it was his freshman or sophomore year, he ran um, like a 4.840 or something. They were timing 40s. Uh-huh. And then the, the the following year, he ran a 4.3. Holy cow. <laughs> a 4.3. That's not even realistic. Yeah. He ran a 4. It was like a 4.37 or 4.38 or something like that. I'm just, I thought, I mean, the time's realistic, but to, yeah. to have that big of a jump over years. Yeah, yeah. Realistic. Yeah. Um, so he, because he he was talking about he and two other assistant coaches had stopwatches and they all checked with each other and they all had like the same thing. It was all like four three seven or four three eight or something like that. Um, so, but he was man, he was he was just so athletic and he was very lean, very you know thin and everything. And uh, so he was fast and and that's it helped him big time in that uh, in that last shot against the Cavs. But um, so anyway, moving on to then they got beat by the Pistons by those bad boys teams. And, um, and, and Dennis Rodman was part of that, but that was the thing. So he loved Doug Collins because they, they, they were really good. He got to do everything he wanted to, but they couldn't get over that hump. And then Phil Jackson took over and, uh, and, and he, that's Texas Houston or whatever. He's got Tex Winters. Yeah. Tex Winters who, who, who tried, who, who was coaching under Doug Collins uh, both Phil Jackson and Tex Winter were, were um, right. coaching under him, and and Tex kept trying to talk Doug Collins into implementing the triangle offense. And he talked to him so much about it that they Doug Collins kicked his ass off the bench. Yeah, yep. He was Ma- taking notes in practice of what 
how practice was going. That's what his job was. Yes, and he wasn't sitting on the bench during games. He was at the press table and stuff like that. And um, so he, yeah, because they they had a disagreement about it. And then uh, once Phil took, or well, and then during that time, you know, I think it was that last year, they had Phil like kind of like shadow Tex Winter basically, and he like he would yeah. sit with him, and Tex would Tex was in. Uh, Phil's ear and was was going through the triangle offense and was really selling it to him and then Phil bought in so then the next year Phil got the Phil got the uh, job the head coaching job and he was like okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna change things up here and for Michael it meant you know maybe fewer shots maybe fewer isolation plays and stuff like that and and Michael did not like it he did not like it he didn't want any part of Phil because of it he didn't want Texas winner because of it um, it but, took him a while to realize the reason, to realize yes. what it meant. Right, and he finally, and it, it, it was maybe a year or something like that. It was really only, yeah, it was like a year maybe, um, yeah, well, and it, less than they that. They one more year without without winning at all. So right, it, 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 I think they said by the middle of that second year that Phil Jackson was there was when Michael finally realized that he, it was the Paxson game. Uh, it was in the play. Was it the? It was the playoff game. It was during their first title win. Wasn't during that first title, but anyway, he kept giving the ball to Paxton. Yeah, and he learned. He's like, "Oh, we can. I can trust my teammates. That was my the, teammates can." Right. That last that last game uh, against um, against Detroit. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. They they were they were tied. I think going into the fourth quarter, and he had, he found himself, you know, getting into the lane and. Paxson was wide open, and Paxson knocked down a bunch of shots in the fourth quarter, that's, and they that's won. That's how they got over the hump. They ended up losing the game, but uh, was it was it the game they lost? Or was when, yeah, it was when they ended up losing that game, the last game of Detroit, Phil's first year. Right? Oh, I, I thought that was the game that they that they finally they, won. Detroit, okay, maybe that was. Either way, it took a while for that all to work out. Anyway, they it was fun. It was fun to kind of see the way that he. The way that that Michael did not like Phil for as much admiration as you always hear. I mean, in the end, during during episode four, he keeps like a big part of that is I will not play for anybody but Phil Jackson. And that uh, still blows me away every time they say that. Every time they show a clip of him yeah. saying that to the media, and he didn't and waver. He said it a lot. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't think about it. It wasn't. He didn't hesitate. It wasn't like, well, you know, I don't know. I got to really weigh my options. It was like it started it's, that way. Yeah, it started it seemed, that way. It seemed like the more they went on, the more he every time he was asked about it, he was like, and he kind of talked about that too. Like, He's like, you said you wouldn't play for anybody else but Phil Jackson. He's like, that's exactly right. Well, they said Phil yeah. Jackson isn't going to be here. Well, I guess I'm not going to be here either. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, you don't. I don't know that there's any other instance of loyalty between a player and coach ever. Maybe I. I, I think. Um, how about with Brady and Belichick right now? Well, yeah, I, I was, I was thinking. Oh, no, 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 okay, okay. Well, and not anymore. Together, that they're not right. No, you're right. That they won't play with Nacho. No, you're right. right. They're not. Those two are. They're, but, they're not like that at it, all. The only other, the only other people in the history of the game that I can think of that I know about are possibly Duncan and Pop, um, because I don't. Yeah. I, they talked at least, at least Popovich talked about. Uh, well, he talked about if Tim Duncan retired, he was going to retire, and he didn't. But. Right. He was staying there, and he brought those two are like father and son, like they they're so yeah. close. Um, so he brought him in, and Tim Duncan is basically being groomed, I think, to take over the head coaching job now. But um, 
So, so, but that and maybe Bill Russell and Red Auerbach are the only two that I can think of that player and coach were that tight. That intensely tight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, that was, that was really interesting and, um, to see the coaching change and the change in Michael's attitude about what it's going to take to win. And ultimately right. that's what you see is, is he, he figured out like, that's why you can really tell like Michael was about winning first and foremost. Of course you have all these stories about how competitive he was and and that brings me to another point in that in that uh, episode was that after they lost in '89 to the uh, it was the it was the '89 90 uh, season I think um, the last time they lost to Detroit he came back and that was like the first summer that he came back or the first time they came back into training camp and he became the Michael Jordan that people uh, talk about now how bad he was how not very nice to his teammates he was like that was really the time that he kind of turned into that or turned it up yeah. a little bit more and really got on everybody and really like tested people every day yeah, and horse grant said horse grant said you know when he got there in uh, 90 or was it 89 it was 89 90 he said you realize like he said when you're when the best player on your team is the hardest worker during practice. It makes everyone else practice and play that much harder. Yeah. And that just brings, as I say that, and I think about that, I didn't think about it before, but I think about it now, about how much you can't stand Allen Iverson, and that's probably a big reason why. <laughs> that's, yes, one of the reasons, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and, and Allen Iverson, I feel like, is, is the type of guy, I feel like I've heard him a million times talk about how, how much admiration and respect he has for michael so you would think because that he plays harder than anybody but he does but he didn't practice like michael yeah he played as hard as anybody you've ever That's seen true. in your entire life yeah without a doubt when, when alan iverson was on the court he played as hard as he could in yes. practice obviously that's a different story we've all heard the practice we're talking about practice yeah yeah and, and there was a whole thing he lost his like best friend from his childhood or something right. that day and right. Um, and maybe he was a bit hard practicer. Maybe he wasn't big, uh, big on it, and he just didn't at that time. So that could have been – we don't – anyway. Yeah. That, get off Allen Iverson. That's, yeah, that's yeah. not what I want to talk about right now. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Scotty, right? So Scotty – Scotty, this this whole – episode three, they, they, they do – they did a lot last week bringing it about – making it about Dennis Rodman. So right. I was pretty excited. I love Dennis Rodman. You were laughing at the fact that you felt bad for the guy who has to interview Dennis Rodman and has to do this, which we'll get into that story a little bit later that you heard from the guy who interviewed him. Uh, but uh, so Scotty Pippen, they started talking about when Dennis Rodman came in. And one of my favorite things that he said was, they said, how did Dennis fit when he came in? Because obviously nobody liked Dennis Rodman, right? Like right. that whole Bulls team couldn't stand him. Yes, yeah. Robin. How did he fit in? He said Dennis fits in like a hand in a glove. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna use that for the rest of my life. Like you know, he folded like a lawn chair, or uh, he beat the brakes off of him, or I love those little silly, those little silly things. For now, somebody says something like, "Man, that boy fits in like a hand in a glove." <laughs> I like that. Uh, yeah. It, it, it... There was a whole thing, and I don't even know that they addressed it in this documentary in that episode, but there was a thing that um, I, I heard a story a long time ago about how because of, you know, especially one play um, in that last series when they finally did beat the Pistons, 
uh, w- when Dennis like yeah. two hand shoved Scotty into yeah. the into and the stands there. Yeah, they were beating him by nineteen or something like that, or twenty, and and it was at the very end. Yeah, they did a whole big part on that during this during the yeah that was a huge part of this. Right. And they so, said that's how they knew that they had him because Scotty got hit and he laid there for a minute and he got up. And he just went right back to the free throw line, and it was like, "Yep, there's no no coming back, no fighting back. We just beat your we just beat your brains in. Yep. This is what you're gonna do. We're still not coming at you because we're just that much better." Yeah. And that Horace Grant was talking about that. Horace Grant used a lot of fun words too about the Pistons, which yeah. I was having fun. That was really fun too. But yeah, Dennis Rodman. I mean, he just, he fouled him hard. And the foul wasn't that big of a deal back then. That was just a normal foul. But it was after they both landed. And then he proceeded to push him into the camera. <laughs> right. That was a little. That was a little too much. Yeah. So and, and it, you know that was just an example of the kind of stuff they showed a million plays, especially when Jordan every time and they talked about the Jordan rules. That you know that's a uh-huh. uh, famously uh, a thing between the Pistons and Bulls, the Jordan rules that. And they they specifically said what they were like for a long time. The Pistons would deny that they were anything <laughs> like that. You know, there there's no such thing as the Jordan rules. What are you talking about? They're talking to them now about yes, these were the Jordan rules. There were like three rules. You know, you you uh, if he catches it on the wing, you force him middle to the help. If if he kept, you know, you can't let him go baseline. Um, are we? Are you still there? Can you hear me? We might have to pause for a second. We're reconnecting. We're doing this over FaceTime, so. Uh, I think we're just like you see all the time with uh, on like Instagram live and stuff like that. Oh, I think we got him. Oh, nope. We'll call Chris back. Uh, no big deal. We'll get him back. Uh, just got to get the as long as both our Internet is working. You see stuff like this all the time now, even on the professional shows. Oh, that's my turn my Wi-Fi on. There you go. Oh, OK. Is that my, my, my iPad died. So, uh, okay. Got I, now I'm going to talk to you this way. I got you. Okay. Um, so, okay. So we're good. So back to, uh, back to Dennis, they did the Jordan rules and they were talking about that. And you know, you can't, you got to force him middle if he's on the wing, cause you don't want him to go baseline and you yep. want to try to make him go left if you can. And then the big one no, was, what's that? If he gets in the air. Yeah, don't let him get in the air. If don't he's try to try to hit him before he can take off. Yeah, right. Foul before you take off. What happens if he gets in the air? Uh, what did he say? What did Lambeard say? What happens if he does get in the air? Ah, I can't remember. Uh, see, I wish I would have took better notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill, Bill Lambeard yeah. probably said cut his head off and undercut him or something. But um, right. anyway, <laughs> it, it it definitely brought back emotions about Bill Lambeard for me. Uh, and the rest of that team, because uh, I hated them because of exactly that, because I was such a big, big Bulls fan. Right, right. But uh, anyway, and it, it was, it was just, it was kind of that was that part of it was a lot of fun because number one, you got to see all that stuff, and you got to see that there's still some animosity there between Michael, between Isaiah, Horace Grant, oh, like you said, Scotty still has some issues. Um, they walked up. They walked off the court. When, yes. when when they walked off the court, that's when uh, that pissed Michael Jordan off more than anything. Because when they, Michael lost to them two years in a row and shook everybody's hand after the game, 
told them all good luck in the going going on and and then and then Isaiah says, Well, you know, ain't nothing, but the Celtics did it to us. Yeah. You know, and they go back and show the Celtics really did. Yeah. That. And that was that was hard for me because I'm a huge 80s Celtics fan. Yeah. You know that? Yeah. Um, so it's hard to see. I didn't know that. Um, and the only thing the only thing that I could that I could say the difference would have been was that that if the pit like the Celtics hated the Pistons for the same reason that the Bulls did and the same reason that uh, the Lakers did because the, the the Pistons played against all those teams the same way they played against the the Bulls. Now they they might not have gone after one specific player like they did Jordan, but they played very physical, a lot of times borderline dirty. And uh, and they were well known around the league for that, and so nobody liked them. So if that's if that's how they played a whole series against the Celtics, and the and then they beat they finally got over the hump the same way the Bulls got over on them. They got over on the Celtics finally in uh, in eighty nine eighty eight eighty nine season I guess. Um, then the, the I I can see a I can give the Celtics a little tiny bit more grace on that because if they're if they're fouling them like that and there there are a million uh, videos you can find of Larry Bird and Bill Lambeer throwing punches at each other because Bill Lambeer was taking taking Larry's head off. The guy for the Lakers, uh, old four eyes. Oh, Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Rambis's head off. That was yeah. That well, that yeah. That was the Lakers and Celtics. That was uh, that, that was a separate thing. But but so I yes. Look, I think of fights and I just think of I just think of Yeah, well, the, but look, the Celtics had some of that in them too. I I can admit that they had some of that in them. They they were they could do that. Larry had that in him. <laughs> it's, it's, he he wouldn't. But the thing is, he wouldn't like foul somebody dirty. He was ready to fight whenever you wanted to fight, but he wouldn't yeah, foul somebody he'd, dirty. He'd foul you hard. Uh, he yeah. wouldn't foul you necessarily dirty. He would, and by hard, I mean make sure you're not going to make the basket, and, 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 but not in a way that to hurt you. Just like basically if I'm going to go up and, and I know I'm going to foul you, I'm going to make sure that I take your arm and pull it straight down. I'm not going to literally throw my body into yours and try to tackle you, yeah. but I'll foul you hard enough to where you're not going to make it. That's, I'll tell you that, that play, the, the Celtics and Lakers in that, in that finals that year where Kevin McHale clothesline, Kurt Rambis going to the basket. Um, that was the dirtiest thing I've ever seen. There might be other things that I haven't seen, but that was the dirtiest thing I ever saw from the Celtics. And that was like kind of mandated almost from Larry because the because yeah, they got blown out the day before, yeah. And Larry's like, that. yeah. And and Kevin McHale was the last guy to ever want to do something like that. But Larry was the king, and Larry yeah. said, "Hey, you got to do something about this. You better toughen up, or else." So he was he was following Larry same way those guys followed Michael's lead, and the same way. Well, Bill Lambeer seemed to be the guy that was kind of orchestrating that whole I don't thing. Know. Isaiah seemed like he, he Isaiah seemed like he was kind of a. He was. Kind of himself, himself. He, he definitely was, but Bill. He said that. I think Bill. I think everybody said Bill Lambeer is the one that said, "We're not shaking these guys' hands. Do not shake their hands. We're what we're done. We're leaving. Yeah. Don't shake their hands." He's the one that said you that. See Isaiah's face as he walked up with his little stupid little smirk. Yeah. I don't know. Man. And then he like ducked his like head. Think, yeah. 
Isaiah Thomas is revered as one of the greats, right? Like people yeah. talk about that all the time. Hall of Famer, great player. I don't, I don't. In my whole life, I love Joe. Like I didn't like the Pistons, but I love Joe Dumars. I yeah. love Joe Dumars. I the only decent I, guy on that team. I never really liked Isaiah Thomas, and I also, I don't, I don't know necessarily how how great was he? Was he really that great? Yeah, I think he was. Uh, but it, but that's why he's not. Most people don't don't revere him the same way they do other other players from that era that were that were at that level. Because he was on the bad boys. Because he was on the bad boys, and he was one of the worst ones. I mean, he was he yeah. was a guy that would. You know, he, he, the south side of Chicago came out in him a lot of times, right. you know. Um, and he doesn't seem like that person at all. In fact, he he seems a little soft in real life, right? Like when you hear him talk. The way he talks. He just, the way he, 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 his, the way he like moves, moves and sits and walks. and He's he, pretty he smooth. He seems soft. He's smooth, yes. Yeah. He smooth. Okay, that works. Smooth works. But – you wouldn't expect him to be that guy. Anyway, right. I don't, enough about that part of it. We're talking about the last dance. Let's get back into the 98 season. So Dennis Rodman is now on the Bulls, and Scottie Pippen is still sitting out. Yes. Yes. So, and then, go ahead. You want to continue with that? And no, I know. I was, yeah. that, was, that, was my, that was my pass. My, I was, my, I was your, Joe Montana in that right to you. That was, no, that was your, uh, that was your Magic Johnson pass right to me. I'll, I'll be James yeah. Worthy and finish then. Um there you go. Why did I use that team? Is it? anyway, <laughs> because that's the team that we're about to talk because about the, here in a minute. <laughs> because the because the Bulls never had a point guard. Um, so anyway, whoa, whoa, whoa! Sorry, BJ Armstrong. I'm BJ sorry. Armstrong like that, <laughs> sorry, you. BJ. It took, two, it took it took two epi- three episodes to get BJ Armstrong on this thing. Why did it take so long? I'll tell you what. That, that my God. That that's my. I know because he looked like a ten-year-old when he played. Yeah, I got a poster of the first three Pete, and it's got the three the three uh, titles on the poster, and it's got Jordan, Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen, Bill Cartwright, and B.J. Armstrong, and he looks like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, and Bill Cartwright is another one that I think we. Yeah, I think Bill Cartwright made his first appearance in this documentary in in episode three too, and it's it's fun to see what all those guys look like now. Because uh, of course no, they're all aging right, and everything. Like, he surprised me how he looked. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, th- so Dennis. Okay, so Dennis is on the Bulls. He's he's there for a couple years, um, and he's we're in this season where he he's he's there. He Michael kind of is like, look, I need you, I have you have to be engaged, and he knows it. Scotty's out. We need Dennis to be the greatest version of Dennis that he can be. And Michael even said, when Scotty was out, he was a model citizen, and it was killing him. He wasn't. Yep. He wasn't being a. You know, he wasn't. Pro- he was probably still partying a lot, but not as much, I guess, probably. And sure. you know, he was behaving himself a lot more than he was because than he normally would because he knew he they needed him to win games. So he did that, and it was him and Michael. They they had this like bond there during that time because they were winning games together. They were the two Not biggest pieces. In the beginning, though, in the beginning, they were struggling, and Michael was trying to push him. He wanted to. Yeah. Dennis. Dennis had the game. There was a game where you got where you got ejected real early in the game. Yeah. And I love this. This was one of my favorite stories. He got ejected really early in the game, and Michael was pissed. 
and everybody knew Michael was pissed because it's just Michael. And I think Michael even said, now it's just me out there. Yeah. Basically what he said <laughs> yeah. on the documentary. And he's pissed. And Dennis realized it. So what did he do? He said, Dennis never went to Michael's room. And he knocked on Michael's door, and he opens it up, and it's Dennis Rodman. And Dennis goes, hey, man, you got another cigar? And they sat down and had a cigar, and they both said, Dennis said, I didn't apologize to him. And Michael said, he never apologized to him. But that was, they knew what it was. And from then on, it was Dennis and Michael. Because then they showed this play, which is my favorite thing to see, where they both jump up and grab the ball, grab the rebound at the same time. And Michael looks at him and lets go immediately. And then Dennis gives the ball right back. And Mike's just got this silly smirk on his face. Yeah. Like, rebound. Which brings me to this. How about this stat? In nineteen in the ninety seven ninety eight season, or no, not not ninety no, no, I take it back. In his career, Dennis Rodman had seven games with twenty plus rebounds and zero points. Yes, sir. That's, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's my favorite Dennis Rodman stat. I love it. Um, and, and it's funny to see like the whole box score when they lay out his stat line for yeah. for those games. It's yep. it's so cool to see, like he, you know, because he didn't even shoot the ball most of the time. Like he, it no, wasn't, it wasn't that he had a bad shooting night. Twenty rebounds and not just put a ball back up. Yeah, right. That's crazy. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, it, I, I do. I love the. Uh, oh, I, I love the. All right, are you, are you there? We good? Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, it is. You're right. It's fun to it's fun to see those stat lines, and uh, Dennis had some really funny looking numbers. But it was it was so important. They didn't need him to score. They did not need him to score. You had the best score in the whole league. He could score for two or three people, uh, and he could he could give you forty or fifty. Michael could whenever he wanted to. So he could give you that, and he did. And Dennis gave you twenty rebounds, and so. That's how they won games there, and you're right. They struggled at first, but then that was you're exactly right to tell that story. Um, and Dennis was was good, was great after that. And then on January 10th, Scotty came back, and yes. they were they were back together. They they had the the the, the three the three best players together, three amigos. But Dennis felt like he knew he felt like he wasn't as important anymore, and that weighed on him. He didn't. He and Michael didn't have that little bond together. Just the two of them. It was now it was Scotty. Now Dennis is knocked back down to the third best player on that team. Michael Jordan said was the smartest player he's ever played with. That's I've heard him say impressive. that before too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty impressive. You went real quick before we get into this because I wanted this is the next step. There's one more one more funny story about Dennis Rodman before all this. They they're talking about it goes into the twenty rebounds, no points. They're talking about Dennis Rodman and they're talking to him and he starts talking about rebounds. Right, and he's like, I figured out when he was young, he figured out what he was gonna have to do to stay in the league, and that was defense and rebound. Yep. Figured that out early, and he said he would go to the gym till like three o'clock in the morning with his buddies, and just have them shoot from all over, and then he, <laughs> how'd it go? Click here, boom, this way, this way, click this way, and then boom, click. And Michael's spinning this way. Sometimes Scotty don't have to spin, and this click, boom, click. He said click, boom, like thirty times. I was cracking. Up laughing at that part of the documentary. I would love to sit down with Dennis Rodman for five minutes. Man, 
Dennis Rodman. It's it's so fun. That's why we were so excited about this episode because we heard it was the Dennis Rodman episode. So we thought we were yeah. going to get a little more of him, honestly. But um, but any little bit of any any little bit of Dennis Rodman in an interview and his cocaine brain is is that's exactly. It's so fun because he's not a good speaker at all, and his brain is so far gone. <laughs> It's, it it's, works so differently than everybody else. It's so funny. That's true. I shouldn't say so far gone. I should say it's just way different. It's just different. All right, so let's give – so speaking of being way different, Dennis is feeling a little left out now that Scotty decides he's coming back. Right. So he uh, he, he goes and, and tells <laughs> Phil, I need a vacation, right? I, how, how, much, how much PTO do I have left, Phil? Because so, so he wants a he wants a vacation. Yeah, he wants a he wanted. I did I didn't I carry those forty hours over from last year too? Shouldn't I have? No. So so Dennis needs a vacation because it's weighing so heavily on his mind that he's not as important now. Even though he really is, he just doesn't feel as important or as needed as he did when Scotty he was, was out. About the drama. Was talking about the drama like crazy in the in the actual video footage from that year like he's working out he's talking about this is why we get paid we don't get paid to play we get paid because all the drama once we get off the court was, yeah that was really that was some in-depth stuff to really tell you what he was thinking in his head because there was there was a lot of stuff going on between the jerry Krause and phil jackson stuff the michael phil jackson stuff the scotty sitting out uh dennis being needed more and then being needed less. There was a whole lot of drama going on on that team. There, anyway, so. There was, and and I feel like uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis magnifies the drama a lot more than it needs to be probably. He's the kind of, he's the kind of guy who when there is drama and stuff like that going, uh, it's not that he, it's not that he maybe magnifies it. Uh, I don't want to say he's drawn to it, but if there's somebody that's going to let you know about it or that's going to bring it out, it's going to be a guy like Dennis Rodman. You go to that guy to find out what's going on. Scotty's going to keep it under the hat. Michael's going to keep it under the hat. Phil's going to keep it under the hat. Dennis, you could get something out of Dennis. You can get something out of Dennis, yeah, because he, he, when he feels, when he's feel, when he's in his feelings, uh, as the kids say today. Is that, is, that, is, that, is that 23 and a half seven for him? 23 and a half hours a day, seven days a week. He's in his feelings. <laughs> yes. Uh, and when he really, really is in his feelings, he is, uh, he'll, he'll say just about anything. And yeah, that's why like, it's, that's like, why it's so fun. Head, like walk up to his head coach of an NBA team and say, in the middle of a season and say, I need a two week vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, right. So, and Phil, that's, that's another amazing thing. Cause that would never, ever happen today. That would not happen. It, it, yeah. I shouldn't say it, it. Maybe not ever. It depends on the player. It depends on the player. Well, that's just this team was made up of some, some incredible egos, some incredible personalities. And Dennis was a, Dennis was a different type of player. There's nobody you can compare him to, ever. Yes, and Jerry Krause talked about when they were deciding whether or not to bring Dennis in, to to have him to sign with the team. That he would not, he said, if Michael and Scotty weren't the two leaders on that team, and if Phil Jackson was not the head coach, they would not have brought him in. The only reason they brought him in was because they had that the best leadership, probably in sports at that time, of any franchise. Yeah, maybe ever. 
Um, and, and, and so that was the only way that he was going to fit in there is because he, you know, they, they figured those guys could handle him, especially Phil. So he, so he decides to bring him in. So, so the, that was a good story too, since you brought it up. So then Phil says, Phil says, so yes. Jerry Krause calls me and tells me to come to his house. And Dennis is there. And I walk in and I say, hello, Dennis. And Dennis is just sitting there and he goes, so what did, we, or what did he say? He said, uh, he walked in, he said, all right, Dennis, so do you want to play with the Bulls? You want, are you going to play for the Bulls? He goes, eh, whatever. And he never stood up, never yeah. shook his hand. And he like he told him to come outside and he said, let's go outside. Let's have a talk. And he basically said, you know, uh, basically told him how to be a man kind of a Yeah, thing. he told him, and Dennis. had big respect for him. Yeah, he, he told Dennis, he, did, he said, Dennis, stand up, take your hat off, shake my hand. He told yeah. him that the first time he met him. And, right. and you're right. That's exactly – I wrote that down to make a point about that too is that's – I think Dennis really – because he needs that discipline, but he also needs a little rope. And that – Phil Jackson was the perfect guy for that because that, that goes back yeah, to that story. Was great for that. And that's how he handled that when Dennis came to him. I need a vacation. I'm yep. going nuts here. I got to I, – I, I just need a – I need a mental health day or, or six or Phil, ten or whatever. Phil handled it like this. Well, let's uh, let's go ask Michael. That's yeah. How Phil yeah, he did. Well, he, he did talk to Michael. He, Michael to talk to him. he did talk to Michael, but Michael said no. Michael didn't want to let him go. <laughs> but yeah, Phil, said, hold on. if anybody needs a vacation on this yeah. team, it's me. Yes, and he was right. Um, but but Phil said Phil being the most understanding coach ever because he was a player in the NBA for ten years or whatever. Um, but he all, he just had the right mindset and he understood, look, if we don't let Dennis go, he's going to implode and things could get really bad. If we do let him go, we'll try to, we, we, we'll try to regulate how much, how long he's gone, but we got to let him, we got to give him a little space and let him blow yep. off some steam. And, and so that's what he did. And he, he compromised and he said, so well, he how said, about 48 hours, right? About 48 hours. Maybe 48 hours. Best part of this, my favorite part of this episode was when it said, Dennis, what did it say? It said, Dennis, uh, uh, Dennis uh, vacation or Dennis, Dennis uh, leave, or Dennis approved leave. And it said 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours, 40, 48 hours. And then Dennis was not approved leave, 56 hours, 72 hours. <laughs> yeah. It just kept going. Dennis never came back. No. Carmen Electra makes an appearance. Carmen Electra makes an appearance Miss and Cincinnati. What? Cincinnati? She's from Cincinnati? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Um so yes, Carmen Electra who was like one of the biggest stars at that time in the 90s, um and one of the most beautiful women in the world at that time and all that good stuff. Yeah. They, you know, they met whatever however they met and they were enamored they were with each other. Crazy party. Yeah, and, and so they they vacationed together, and I guess they were dating at that time or whatever. So yeah. they went to Vegas, and they were partying, and Dennis was just he, – he just wasn't too concerned about basketball at that time. And Carmen yeah. Electra was like, you know, I really she, didn't know. Like, I just figured they were off those days, but I really I didn't know didn't their know schedule. schedule. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> finally, like, people started saying, like, hey, aren't you supposed to be playing tonight or something like that? So – but uh, he did. He took his vacation, and Michael was taught. He said, "If we let him go, he's not coming back in 48 hours." Michael said that was going to happen, and he was right. And he was right. And so uh, who went to go get him? 
and Michael had to go get it. So from what I, they they didn't really explain this in the documentary. It sounded like Michael had to go to Vegas to get him. What what I was told, um, what I think the director of the documentary told in in an interview in the last couple of days was that what actually happened was Dennis came back to Chicago, but never went back to the team. Like he was still, he partied for a while in Vegas and stayed over the time he was supposed to be there, but then flew back and was, but was just still, he wasn't ready to come back or whatever. He was still just he was still partying. partying too. He must have still been partying because yeah. Mike said when he, when he went into that room, he goes, I don't even, I, I, I don't even want to say what was going on in that room or who was in the bed or what, yeah. or who was in the bed. And apparently it wasn't Carmen Electra. Because she jumped up and hid behind the couch. Yep. <laughs> yep. It was, yeah, Carmen was there and it sounds like some other folks maybe too and or whatever other, maybe some substances or something, I don't know. I'm going to tell you right now, I couldn't tell you if there were women or men in that bed with them. Oh, yeah. I, I Yeah, Dennis has talked about some of his exploits uh, in that department and and I don't know, He he's tried just about everything it sounds like. But, uh, you know what? There's a lot of people. There's, there's, you know, you have, you have uh, asexual people that don't, don't have any feelings towards anything at all. Mm-hmm. You've got heterosexual people. You've got bisexual people, and then you have trisexual people, and those are the people that will try <laughs> anything. <laughs> That's good. I haven't, I haven't heard that before. Um, and another famous, famous quote from a great philosopher. Um, it's 2020. If you're not. Hey. Go for if you're it. not bisexual, you're just gay. <laughs> there you go. The great, the great philosopher, Christopher James Witt. James anyway, Frankie. what's that? I got that from somebody. Else. You got that from somebody else. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I got I to I shout him out. Sorry. <laughs> That's good. Um, so anyway, yes, they finally got. Michael's like. Yeah, Michael said. Uh, Michael's like Dennis. Come on, we got to go to practice. You know, and then. Right. Somebody said, somebody said in another interview that Michael grabbed him by his nose ring and pulled him out of the room. <laughs> That's, that was probably a joke, but um, or some, somebody said Michael said that, which I'm sure he was joking I can about. See, I'm sure it was a joke, but I can see Michael describing it to the team as yeah. that. Yes. So anyway, they <laughs> finally got... things with Michael on the plane and Michael in the bus and the Michael on the, on the, in the training room, the video that they have. Some of that is really funny. Michael is a pretty funny guy, and he yeah. doesn't let up on anybody. No, he's always he's <laughs> always getting on somebody, or always he's trash talking all the time, basically. Um, all the time, because he wants to be the best at every single thing, everything yes. that happens. Um, <laughs> so Dennis comes back. They have the team back together. They start winning again. Um, and they, you know, they're they're getting into the second half of the season, and they go through, and basically that's the end of that story for the Dennis Rodman part, right? Right. Um, so they, uh, what did I what did I put here? Uh, Phil Phil and Mike will know how to get the most out of Dennis uh, on the court, and they had to give him some rope there. That's what Steve Kerr was the one that said that was you know Steve he Kerr, right? he he really talked about. That situation and the decision that they made, the decision that Phil made to let Dennis take a little break. That was one of the stories I wanted to hear. I wanted Mm -hmm. to hear the Steve Kerr story. Have you ever heard the Steve Kerr, uh, Dennis Rodman uh, in L.A. going to Vegas story? No, I don't think I've heard that. You've never heard Steve Kerr tell that story? I don't know. So the starting five, uh, 
got like extra time before practice where uh, where the other guys would run and everything like that. They the starting five would go and be in the training room a little bit longer and ice up and do this that the other right. They would have a little bit different, uh, a little bit something different to do. wasn't nearly as bad. So Dennis Rodman tells Steve Kerr they're in L.A. and they've got a day off before they got to play. And he says he says, "Yo, Steve, we're going we're going to Vegas. Let's go." So they go to Vegas and they're there all night and they get back at like six in the morning and they had practice at like eight. And he said, Dennis is over there just on a bike. But Steve actually had practice while the starting five was just doing some rum dumb stuff. And he's like, it was the worst idea I've ever had in my entire <laughs> life. I partied with, first off, partying, trying to keep up and party with David, uh, Dennis Rodman, worst decision you could ever make. <laughs> Then to do that before you have practice and you get back two hours before you have practice. Yeah. Funny. That was that's a funny story. Steve Kerr tells it much better. Uh, but I, I was hoping to hear some more of that kind, those kind of stories from these guys, but we didn't didn't get as much of that. So the last thing before uh, we move on to episode four, because we're already an hour into this thing and we've only talked about episode three, but. Um, yeah, and the the Dennis Rodman thing is um, that so the the uh, the director of this of this documentary Jason I think it's I think it's pronounced like Air or something like that it's H E H I R or something like that um, but he's he's done a lot of interviews uh, on different things and he uh... <laughs> no I'm not peeing. Not being, I was adjusting my sock. I can see you looking at me. You're looking at me like I'm like I'm about to pee or something. Like I can hear the, adjusting my sock. I can hear the familiar rustling of uh, some, I don't know, something. Um, <laughs> that. And, uh, yes. It's in can in the background. <laughs> so, okay. So this guy tells um, <laughs> tells a, a few stories about some of the, the things that he had to go through to interview these guys to, to get this documentary together. And one of right. them was uh, interviewing Dennis Rodman. So they met, oh, this is good. they met at a hotel. I think it was a hotel somewhere. I forget where, but they were meeting. So he was sitting in the lobby waiting for Dennis to get there. And he ended up Dennis to no one's surprise was two hours late, <laughs> two hours late showing up for this interview. And, um, so he walked, Dennis finally walks in and he said he felt like Jason, Jason Ayer said he felt like a ghost because Dennis just like walked right by him. And he's like, hey, Dennis, how you doing? <laughs> he's trying to talk to him and Dennis just walked right by him like he's nobody. Um, so finally they get, they get on the uh, elevator to go up to a room wherever they were set up, I guess. And, um, and, and Dennis asks the guy, what's this for again? Has no idea. <laughs> He's like, this is like this enormous, it's a 10 hour, 10 part documentary on the bulls that everybody's talking about. And, uh, so he's like, okay. He said, he said, Dennis said, I'll give you 10 minutes. So he shows up two hours late, tells the guy he's going to give him two, he's going to give him 10 minutes of time. So, so they, they get to the room and, and start talking a little bit and, and they're getting set up. And Dennis says, uh, I need a tuna sub from Subway and I need a chamomile tea. And he just makes these demands out of nowhere for a tuna sub and a chamomile tea like he's uh that's like he's got hot wants, right? Huh? What's that? Everybody wants what I'm doing in yeah. that's what I'm thinking. 
like like he's got hostages and he's trying to come up with the craziest things to tell the police he needs to get rid of to you know to let him go or something so he's so he they find they get somebody to go out and they find those things for him so Dennis is happy he's eating and he's drinking his chamomile tea which maybe that's the secret to his energy or something all the time um that which is the secret to my energy chamomile tea uh, how do you, where do you buy chamomile tea at Oh, you can get it at the store, man. You get I, I've got so many Is boxes like of tea lined store? up in my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can get chamomile tea just about anywhere. Uh, but anyway, so they... they Never would have guessed that. Yeah. So, <laughs> Dennis has some stuff. And, and he said he ended up giving him like two hours or three hours or something like that, which is great. Because the guy said, after he said, I'll give you 10 minutes, he said, I have 11 pages of questions. Each page represents an hour. Of discussion that I had planned. So he had 11 hours of discussion planned for Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman says, I'll give you 10 minutes. Imagine how you feel if you're interviewing a guy who says, oh, what is this for again? First yeah. off, doesn't know why you're there. Then says, all right, bro, you got, you got 10 minutes. And then takes the first five ordering food. <laughs> <laughs> you got to feel, though, if he's ordering food and chamomile tea, then he's Probably is going to be there longer than yeah. he said. You at least have as long as it takes somebody to go out and get a tuna sandwich and chamomile tea and bring it back. Yeah, exactly, 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 exactly. Uh, so anyway, that it worked out. Dennis was, you know, inconsiderate and all that good stuff, but um, it it worked out. They got some some good stuff. Um, and, and that we, we just touched on that, and that's the last thing. So I, I've heard it wasn't part of this thing, but I've heard in the past that Stories about, and, and they did mention in this documentary that no matter what he was doing, how much partying he was doing, when Dennis was there in practice and in games, he did not, he had energy, endless energy, endless energy. They he even, never they was tired. Even said, he even said, uh, was it Michael? Michael said, uh, yeah, it was Michael. He said when they got back, they were doing the drill. They called it the Indian drill. Yeah. And it was basically... Uh, guy in front, whoever's in front, everybody keeps pace with him, and then the guy in the back has to run to the front. And until that guy gets to the front, everybody kind of goes the same. And Michael said, "Man, screw this! Ben, we're only doing this drill because he's trying to get Dennis back in shape." Yes. And he was kind of mad at Phil, and he's like, "No, this is what we're doing. We're all just going to take it easy. We're all walking." And then Dennis gets in the front of the line and takes them off on the yeah. street. Yeah. Yep. Dennis was always in incredible shape. And that was the thing I was going to say is I've heard stories before where Dennis would play, you know, uh, you know, 35 minutes or something like that in a game, full speed, nonstop, harder than anybody else in the game, and then run and then get on the treadmill, do his media or whatever, get on the treadmill, yeah. run another five miles on the treadmill. That's insane. Or, or maybe work out or something, but like would run, would work out after that and then leave and, and leave at, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning or whatever to go out. Be out till six. Be out till six, practice, shoot around at eight and be there. Be there every time and, and wouldn't miss it and would have all the energy he needed. And I, it's, it's insane. It, I, I cannot imagine where that came from. I hope it wasn't speed or, or smack or, oh, or. I don't know. <laughs> necessarily something crazy like that or maybe i'm sure it had a little bit to do with that but i think that dude just had a different some people were just built different yeah you know that i i know people that can 
that can get absolutely blackout drunk and be up at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and be out till two and be up at five and be there making breakfast and coffee. And, yeah. Like, how, what is wrong with you? That's crazy. Yeah. But there are people like that. It's just in the way. It's just the way they are. And I feel that that's the kind of guy Dennis Rodman. I mean, obviously, to me, is good for him though. Good yeah. For him. Yeah. Happy for you. That's uh so so yeah so and then that takes us into uh, episode four, which yes. which I think started back with you know them having to get retrieve Dennis and get him back and get him back into mm-hmm. the into the you know back with the team and everything. That's when Carmen Electra came out, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so then they it. they did they kind of went into uh, kind of Phil Jackson's story how he right. got onto the team and and. Uh, you know, he was. They talked about his playing days, and he was a big time hippie, and he did all kinds of drugs and everything. And um, he ended up coaching in uh, Puerto Rico, in like some really rough, t- rough part of uh, the country. He and said the owner of his team shot a ref in the leg. Yeah. The punishment for it was he couldn't go to the next ten home games. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, he That's, said. He said they would have. Sorry. That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, he said they would they would be leaving the the uh you know the arenas wherever they would go and people would just be throwing rocks at their windows and stuff yeah. and, and uh so that man that's that's nuts and um so he he coached there uh for maybe a year or two or something like that and then he got an opportunity in the CBA and coached in the CBA for a couple of years. And then won a championship. Yes, and and, and uh, Jerry Krause knew of Phil Jackson during all that time, and he he was enamored with him, and he wanted Phil to get on the staff. <laughs> he wanted Phil to get on the staff as an assistant coach, right? And uh, so the first time, Phil came in and interviewed for a, for an assistant coaching job with the Bulls, <laughs> and was not hired. He was not hired because he came in in like some jeans or something like that. Yeah. Jeans and a flannel shirt. Yeah, and he came to an interview like that, and uh, which is what he wore. (laughs) Funny enough, seeing (laughs) seeing videos of him at practice, he was coaching in jeans and like (laughs) polo shirts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Even in even in Chicago sometimes. Yeah. Even in Chicago, he'd wear he'd wear jeans. Anyway, so um, he had suspenders a lot. I noticed he wore a lot of suspenders. He did for like games. He would yes. The 90s. I didn't re- I didn't notice that before. But yes, big suspender guy. He did when he had the mustache all the time, and he had a little bit of yep. brown left in the hair and all that good stuff. Um, so anyway, Phil Phil was not hired the first time, and then a year year or two later, I think he said two years later, Jerry Krause went to Phil and said, look. Here's another opportunity to interview. This is what you need to wear. This is how you need to yes, talk. This yeah, is, you know, you need to you need to show what du- he did to Dennis Rodman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand right. Up, shake my hand, take your hat off, shake my hand. <laughs> right. Maybe maybe lay off the peyote pipe a, a little bit before you come in or whatever. Um so anyway, so Phil finally got on and then he was there a couple years under Doug Collins and that's when he went in and that's when he got, you know, in touch with Tex Winter and Started learning about the triangle and learning, you know, how to coach, I guess, as a head coach in the NBA. Um, sure. And, and so so then, you know, when they let Doug Collins go, 
they hired Phil because Jerry at that time Jerry Krause loved Phil Collins. Phil, hey, Phil, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. He I'm might sure have he, he might have loved Phil Collins. Like a Phil Collins guy. How do you I not mean, love Phil like Collins? Oh man, man, that was one. Of, that might have been my favorite moment of the, my favorite clip in this like, thing so Jerry, far. Go, go, Jerry, go, Jerry. And then Jerry walks away. He's like, Jerry, you gotta sit down. Yeah, <laughs> that was the that was oh, the most God, uncomfortable I felt the whole entire time this documentary has been on. Jerry Krause dancing was exactly how I thought it would be. To be honest with That's you, one hundred percent exactly what anybody would have thought. It would so so then okay so they introduce and, and Phil gets the job finally and they then then they really went into the whole thing with Michael not really caring for Phil or Tex or the triangle right. at first right. and that's when they went through that whole thing and finally Phil made him understand this is what we have to do to take to take the next step to get at the championship level right so they convinced him of that and uh you know then then they really went into more about the with the pistons that's really when yeah. they talked about the uh getting over the hump there and the the whole thing with walking out the pistons walking out on them um and and you know they had isaiah talking about it and kind of rationalizing it and talking about you know trying to say hey this is right. this is the way it was then and this is how we chose to do it and uh we just yeah. we were we were a dynasty at that time and that was the end for us so that's just how it was, and that's. And he the, basically said, you know, it was unspoken, but we pretty much knew it. Like, yeah, the, the Bulls beat the brakes off of them. The Bulls swept them. Yes. So I mean, it was not like they went to Game Seven or anything like that. It was the Bulls came in and beat the brakes off of them, and they realized, all right, we're we got we're we're just gonna bow out. We're right. just gonna bow out. Right, and that's when that's when because they celebrate when they finally beat the Pistons that third year. Um, after losing to them the two, the two years before, they finally they celebrated like they already won the NBA championship. And Michael yeah. even mentioned that and that's that was when that was when Jerry Krause got on the bus and was dancing like. I, oh, I that was after the Pistons. I thought that was that was, after the that was I'm pretty sure that was after the Pistons. Yeah. Okay. okay so either way, I can understand why. <laughs> so um, Jerry, Jerry was excited and he he forgot about himself for a minute, but. Um, <laughs> He just forgot who he was. <laughs> he, forgot, he forgot what he forgot the shape that he is, uh, not the shape that he's in, the shape that he is. Um, so anyway, somewhat similar to a pear. <laughs> uh, I'm sure pears are feeling insulted by that comment. But anyway, the uh, so they did. They finally beat him, and Michael even said, like, in a way that 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 was better than winning the championship because of how they felt about the Pistons mm -hmm. and because and they they talked they showed Michael that was when he decided he's going to start weight training harder you know he worked yep. with Tim Grover he Tim Grover was his longtime personal trainer and he really got you know together with him and and, and you could see the his difference. body yeah you could see the difference he said what did he say he said something like you know we got him we got him up five pounds and then 10 pounds and he said we got him up to 15 pounds mm -hmm. of muscle 15 pounds of muscle people is a lot of muscle. I'll tell you what, if I'm the Pistons, if I'm on that on that bad boys team that that won a couple championships and were great for three or four years, um, my my biggest accomplishments are winning two championships in a row and number yep. and number two, making Michael Jordan change the way he prepares and change 100%. change his body. Like that's that's I a as big Jordan into, because the thing because a big part about that is I didn't 
realize you we know Michael Jordan as the GOAT six times out of chance six chances, six titles, six finals MVPs. We know Michael as that that's what Michael Jordan who Michael Jordan is to us. Mm-hmm. Right? And to most of the world at this point in time. Up until nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety one Michael Jordan was looked at like LeBron James was for a long time, or like yeah. Kobe was. Went after Shaq. Can they do? Can he do it? If he, sure, he's this great player, but can he win a championship? James Harden, Carmelo Anthony, and does he really uh, make his Russell teammates Westbrook. better? Right, Russell yeah. Westbrook. Uh, all these, all these great scorers. And, and, and teams and, and players that made it to teams that were in the playoffs but never got over the hump. I never realized that Michael had that stigma on him big time. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was the that was enough that was that's a big turning point in this whole in this whole thing. Right. Everybody knew he was the best player in the league and the best scorer for sure. But including including the best player at the time. Well, maybe not the best player at the time, but one of the better players. He probably wasn't the best at the time because he was getting a little older in his career. But Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson's talking about, like, look, man, we're playing the greatest player in the game right now. Like, you know, we know we just got to try to stop Michael somehow. And that was before Michael ever won a championship. That was his first opportunity. Exactly. His first opportunity in the finals was against the Lakers, and you're right. It was the Lakers team. They didn't have – they had a lot of what they what they had through the 80s, but they didn't have Kareem. That's a big difference. Nope. Um, yep. And they so they didn't have Kareem, but they, they had Vlade Divac, who was a better center than Kareem anyway, so it didn't matter. So they were better, actually. All right. I wanted to make sure you laughed at that. Um, so, so anyway, so the – so did I. I I'm a big Vlad. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so so and that's the thing, like getting over that pistons hump, I keep saying that, I'm getting tired of hearing myself say that, but getting getting to that next step where they finally beat the pistons was Michael getting in better physical shape and being able to take the pounding he was gonna have to take. And the 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 um the play where where Scotty didn't get up and retaliate after being, you know, pushed yeah. down by Dennis. Yep. That was that was the thing about being taking that next step mentally. So they took that right. next step mentally. They got over the Pistons. That got them. That got them to the finals. But that got them over that threshold where they needed to get to just be a championship team. It didn't. From then on, it was they were there then, and it it didn't matter they who they played. They, they knew who they were. Yes. They as a team, they felt it at that point. In in the so game one, uh, they played the Lakers and they played poorly and only lost by like four, two or four points, and yeah. and so Michael's like, hey, we didn't play very well and we only lost by a possession yeah. or two. Yeah, we lost by we, we lost, but we we were in this up to the last couple of possessions and we did not play well at all. And Michael's like, we knew it. The rest of the world was acting like it was it was going to be a sweep. But Michael said, like, this team, we knew where we were going. And then after that, it was a sweep because the, the Bulls won the next four games. The next and, four games. And they, uh, and they beat the Lakers in five games and won their first championship. The Sam, the Sam Perkins uh, completely needless uh, go up with the right hand and then switch to the left. I've watched 
watch. So, so I've heard Michael talk about this play, right? It's mm. it's played so many times because it's this, it's in the, the the series of his of his very first Finals championship, and you know it's an unbelievable play when you see a guy just hanging in midair with his right hand with the ball in his right hand like he's gonna lay it up and then stop and almost in slow motion go to his left and lay it up from the other side of the basket. Uh, it, it, it Michael told I, I watched an interview with Michael and he's like you know. Uh, I saw Big Sam Perkins there, and I knew that I couldn't, that I had to get around him. I knew I couldn't go right at him. When you watch that play, dude, Sam Perkins is like five feet to his right, not even jumping. <laughs> yeah, Michael's I, just in the air all by himself. He just wanted to do something fancy. I, I think when, when Michael was getting ready to take off, Sam Perkins was there, and Sam Perkins knew, because they were teammates in North Carolina, by the way, so Sam yeah. Perkins knew what was going to happen. And I think to <laughs> Michael, he thought, Oh, he's, he might challenge this, but then as soon as Michael like crouched down to take off, Sam Perkins kind of like was like, okay, I'm gonna sidestep it a little bit. I know, I know what's gonna happen here. So he did, and Michael Still did. Ended up on a poster. Yeah, yeah. So my <laughs> instead of dunking on Sam Perkins, Michael decided to make this play. That's icon an iconic play that. Uh, 85% of the league, 95% of the league right now can do. So anyway, <laughs> exactly. um, but at the time it was, uh, the most amazing thing anybody's ever seen. And I was, um, you know, nine years old and Michael Jordan was next to God. So I, I was, uh, I, I bought into everything. Yep. So anyway, uh, they, they did, they beat, <laughs> they beat the, the Lakers, the mighty Lakers in five won their first championship, and then they got on the plane, and, and Michael immediately started uh, collecting money on bets that he won uh, in football games from his teammates because, <laughs> because, the, news, because the newspaper was there. They, nobody got on their phone to check anything. The newspaper okay. was there, and people were reading the newspaper. It even showed Phil Jackson. It even showed... Phil Jackson looking at the newspaper and saying something about one of the NFL games or something like that. Or no, that it couldn't have been. It would have been June. I don't no, know. No, 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 no. That was different. That was a different part. That was a different part of the episode. But was it? It wasn't right after they won it. That was when they were getting ready to start the season. They were oh. talking about like getting ready to start the season or something. That oh man, and I the thought that was seven ninety eight season. That was. That, that plane ride where he was collecting bets, that was, during, that was the 97-98 part. See, that's why you didn't like jumping around. I thought they showed it right after they won. Yeah, I thought they showed it right after. They showed it right after. Okay. They showed it right after, but it was part of the 97-98 film. See? Because they showed it with, uh, or they were on their way somewhere. It was, maybe it wasn't the beginning of the year, but they were on their way somewhere because uh, who's the guy, Burrell? Um, Scott Burrell. Scott Burrell, was, it, that was part of that whole thing, and he's like, yeah. Scott Burrell. Cabrera party all night, man. Scott Burrell says he's a says a woman says he's gonna settle down with him. I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not gonna happen. He's like, man, don't be saying this. This is just being recorded, man. Stop. <laughs> yeah. And Michael's just lighting him up. He's like, my parents are gonna watch this, and Michael <laughs> Michael just doubles down on it, like, yep. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That's so good. Uh, he's an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. He said my parents are gonna watch this, and Michael's like, he's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, once again, I love Michael Jordan. Yeah, but he said it was the Broncos. The Broncos beat the pay, uh, beat the Packers. There you go. He looked back in the back, and he's like, "How about them Broncos?" Yeah. 
<laughs> Man, good memory. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, a Which person with a. That's why Michael took this sabbatical. That's why Michael wanted to take a sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the league wanted him to get out of there because he had a little bit of a gambling problem. I'm sure that's going to be covered a lot more in one of these episodes. I, I have you a feeling. So? I do. After the third, like, I wonder if that will be covered. I think it will. I'm interested to see how it will. I think it will at some point. They might not do like a whole episode on it, but it's got to be. It's too big a story to the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's it's too big. I think big. they'll talk about the gambling, but I don't think they're ever going to bring up anything about that being part of the reason he left. Well, no, yeah. I, I just mean talking about when he left and playing baseball and that kind of thing. Right. Just, right, the, right, just right. the whole idea that he did that. So I think that's coming up. Uh, apparently, there's going to be a lot more because we still haven't seen very much with Tony Kukoc yet. Apparently, there's like a none of yeah. Tony Kukoc. But apparently, there's a lot more about Tony Kukoc that's coming. Uh, really? According yeah, according to the director, uh, to to Jason Ayer, uh, he he said there is this like he said we identified the characters that we wanted to make the focal point of this thing. Well, Tony Obviously, Kukoc was a huge part of that team. Yes, and he did. He mentioned him. He said. He said, Michael, Scotty, Phil, Steve Kerr, Tony Kukoc, Dennis Rodman. Like, I, I think those sure. are the guys. Wow. So, so yeah, there's going to no, be... No Bill Wellington? Wellington? No Bill Wellington? No Bill, <laughs> Bill Wellington's, you know, had, had, an, had a good number of, uh, you know, pieces of interview that they've shown. Um, Bill Wellington, when, they, when Michael Jordan looks at him, he said, he said most, uh, the most overpaid media member. Yeah. He, because he had his camcorder. He had his camcorder going, recording everything off. <laughs> that was funny. So apparently we've got that now. So episodes uh, five and six are coming, right? We're, we're hitting the yep. midway point here and getting over the midway point. I'm already getting sad about this thing getting it's... ready to come, getting ready to come I'm to an not. end. You know why I'm not? I'm going to tell you why I'm not. I'm going to tell you why I'm not. Because then I get to watch this in a... Um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, when you go on Netflix and you watch binge, then I get to binge watch it. Then I get to watch it, boom, 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 boom like straight. Because yeah. that's how I want to do this. I don't like this happening to wait because I don't watch it the night that it comes out. I don't watch it Sunday night because I like the mature version, right? I like to hear Michael drop f bombs oh, like yeah. crazy. I love that. And if you watch it on ESPN when it comes on live, the f bombs aren't there. I don't like that. I like. I like to see these guys get into it. They are on ESPN too, though. Oh, really? They're showing, yeah, they're showing the unedited version at the same time on ESPN too. Yeah. Well, so I mean, if, if the if the kids are in bed, then crank it on, crank on the ESPN two version. I'll That's go, the one. I'm doing ESPN two Sunday night. There you because go. Because I'm going to need that because today's Wednesday, game one. Tomorrow is Thursday, game two, 1990 World Series. Yep. Uh, then. Uh, uh, Friday, game three. Saturday, game four. So I'm gonna need Sunday. I'm gonna need. Man. I'm gonna need a couple hours on Sunday. I feel like I have my next four days planned out. You know Thursday, what? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm ready to go. I don't even miss live sports right now. I've got the next four nights planned of of I'm my favorite better. of my favorite teams yes. playing playing or getting more information about them. And it, that's the thing is is I know I like what I'm going to see. Yes. I know I love what I'm about to watch. I yeah. love it, so I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right. Watching now. Man, so another exciting thing about this is apparently um, episode five 
covers a lot of the relationship between it's it's dedicated to Kobe Bryant. It's it's a lot of the relationship between Kobe and Michael. So uh, they I think they kind of I think they kind wow, of added when was, that. When was Kobe's first year? Uh, ninety seven. I want to say maybe six, seven. So the 97, 98 year. So the, that last year with the Bulls, that year is going to be, was Kobe's rookie year? Because if that's the case, I know that's big. Because I know that was a big deal when Kobe first played Michael. Like they talked, that's been, that game's been played over and over and over and over again. Yeah, it was his first or second year, maybe. It might have been his second year. But he didn't play as much his first year anyway uh, with the Lakers when he came in. So, um, but yeah, and he, but, you know, anybody that knows Kobe and followed his career knows that everything he did was modeled after Michael Jordan, pretty much. Exactly. So, oh, without a doubt. And he doesn't shy away from that exactly. in, any, in any way at all. Right. Um, but so, anyway, we might get a little, uh, you know, this might be a pretty special episode. Could be a little little uh, emotional at times and stuff like that. Yeah, which I'm, I'm ready for. It's all, everything's tear-jerker for me. Anytime there's a title <laughs> being won. Yeah. Whenever somebody gets to the pinnacle of anything, whether I like the team or I oh. don't like the team, it doesn't matter. It breaks because I constantly I don't know, I don't think about like but it, I don't I don't think about myself being in those shoes, but I see what they feel and I can only imagine what yeah. that feels like. And you as just... I imagine what that feels like, it brings me it does, it brings me to tears. Yeah. Like, anytime somebody wins a title of any kind. I'm super excited. Yeah. Like it, it, it breaks me down. It's a little bit of empathy. You kind of feel what they feel and you feel the happy, you know, you feel at least some version of the happiness that they feel, right? Um, right. So, yeah. And uh, so that it could be. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I'm excited about that. And then who knows what, so, you know, for uh, episode six, but you know it's going to be good. You know you're going to learn some new things. Um, Hopefully, Coop Coach comes in. I feel like at that mm -hmm. point you gotta have Coop Coach because you only got two more weeks after that. You've really so covered Scotty. Coach is gonna come in. Yeah. You've covered Scotty. You've covered Dennis. You've covered Phil. You've covered Jerry Krause. Um, you know, Michael's gonna be covered every single episode. Obviously, it's good. I mean, yeah, Michael's the biggest part of this. So it, I, 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 I hope a lot. Of, I hope we get some Ron Harper too because Ron Harper was part of that team, and the only time we've really seen him talk. Is on is is during the conversations with about that Elo game yeah. in Cleveland, and I'm not saying Ron Harper was a big part of that team in the '97 '98 team, but but he, he was, was part of that team. Yeah, yeah. I mean he played. He, he he was their point guard basically yes. of that team. Um, so I'm, I I wish they would get some more of that kind of guy or a two coach. Yep. Like you said, they're going to do, but I want that background stuff. Bill Wennington and the early stuff is 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 what it is. But, or not even the other stuff, I guess he was, I don't know, when did Bill win? I don't even know when. He might have played all 10 years for him. No, he was the second three. I think he was in there for all three of the second, the 96, 97, and 98 championships. Either way, though, it's just, I, I, don't, I, I want more from, from those kind of, like, integral parts that weren't really that big of a deal. Like yeah. the Paxson stuff. We get a ton of Paxson in this. There's a lot of John Paxson from the first three. Yeah. We get a lot of that. And Steve Kerr is starting to become more and more and more as they get into this 97-98 season more, which I like that. I love those guys. The Steve Kerr's of the second set of Bulls champ. Well, actually, did he, was he on the – was he – did he win four? Did he win – he just on the three. He won three. He was just yeah. on the second three. Yeah. So uh, I, I like the I like those kind of guys, the Paxson, the Kerr's, the, the cool coaches, the, 
Horace Grants, those are the guys I want to see. We all know about we all know about Michael and 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 Scotty and Dennis. We know the how great those guys were. I want to hear the stories from everybody else. Those are the ones I like. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've uh, I've really enjoyed the other interviews that come. So like, I wish that I've been watching. I haven't watched any of this other stuff. This that, that's been coming off of this. So what? What's um, another good reason to watch it Sunday night is those two episodes lead right into Scott Van Pelt on on doing his Sports Center at eleven o'clock, and he yeah. he does his entire Sports Center at eleven o'clock about the Last Dance. He has more interviews, but he has Steve Kerr on every week. He's got he's got other people on interview he had john sally and steve kerr both last week you know had john sally on talking about those those pistons uh yeah. series and stuff like that um and uh, you know steve kerr is is because he was a media member for so long after he retired he's yeah. so good with the media he he does he gives them everything they want and he's an excellent interview all the time so um he does he does a great job you always hear new stuff and good information from him and he tells great stories um so you get a lot more of that, and then everybody, you know, you and I both, especially you, when you're when you were traveling a lot in the car, would listen to like ESPN radio all day and stuff. Yep. And you, yep. you, you know, that those those people I are still that. getting a lot. Of, I miss that because yeah. I know that stuff's still going on, and I don't do any of it anymore. Like that's where I got my sports was from the whole day. That's what I listened to yeah. sports talk radio, and I got interviews and everything. I don't get that anymore. So. I do miss that, and I feel like I would be getting a lot more about this documentary if I were to be uh, still out doing things. So yeah, because I can't watch I can't watch radio on TV because it's I, I, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, um, but they they have so uh, Jalen and Jacoby are doing an episode um, an episode like specifically for the Last Dance episodes every Monday, I think. Um, about about the previous night's episode, so they had the director, and apparently David Jacoby is, has been friends with that guy for a long time. Um, the director, oh, really? uh, so they had him on, and um, it might have even been on right after. They might have even done their podcast right after the show got over. But they talked to him about a whole bunch of different stuff, and they talked because they're a big. They talk about a lot about hip hop and stuff, and they talked to him about like the music selections because he's had a lot of cool stuff. Uh, a lot of good yes. stuff, a lot of good music from like the '90s and a lot of like yeah. you know hip hop from the '90s and stuff. Um, so they talked to him a lot about that, but they talked to him about other things too. And he told the story about uh, interviewing Dennis and being late and everything. And then he told a story about Phil Jackson interviewing Phil Jackson. And they they had to fly to Montana where Phil lives, right? Mm -hmm. And so they they flew out there, brought all their stuff out there to interview Phil Jackson, and they can't find like. They didn't have, they couldn't reach Phil Jackson. They had to go through other people to get that lined up. They wouldn't give him his information. So they didn't, <laughs> they didn't even have his address and that's where they had to go. So they had to like get his, like find these clues and like find out, try to find out about where he lived. And, and they, he went to the wrong house first. Like he went to his neighbor's house, not had like thinking, <laughs> He said they they went by the house a couple days and there was no there was no car there were no cars there or anything. So then like the day just trying to find out where he lived and then the day they actually went to shoot, there was a car in this driveway that they thought was his house. He knocked on the door and this guy he said that looked at the opposite of Phil Jackson was real short <laughs> was short and just as wide as he was short. Um, answered the door and he's like 
does Phil Jackson live here? And he's like, no, I think you might want the next, you know, house down or something like that. So they had to walk through, yeah, they had to walk through like this, like all these trees to get to Phil's house. And, uh, and they knock on the door and Phil, Phil is on a FaceTime call with his daughter and, and he answers the door and looks like he has no clue why they're there, who they are. And he's like, he answers the door and goes, yeah. And, uh, and the guy's like, Hey, Phil, uh, I'm so-and-so. And he shakes his hand and says his name and Phil's like, and like, he's like annoyed. Cause he thinks they're just like fans that showed up at his house that found out where he lived. So, so he like, he's like, yeah, Hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm shooting the doc. We're shooting the documentary. We're here to interview you. Um, like we had set up. And, um, so, so Phil lets him in. What is it with these people? That's how crazy this team was. They don't like these people don't know. Like somebody says, I'll be at your house Thursday, the 13th at eight o'clock in the morning, whatever, 11 Uh o'clock. And and we're going to, we're going to have an interview about the greatest team to ever walk onto a basketball court. (laughs) And we're gonna do a ten-hour special on it. I feel like that's something I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna remember that one, bro. I'm gonna jot that <laughs> yeah. one down in the old book. You know what I mean? What is it with Dennis Rodman? But then Dennis, uh, Phil did say him and Dennis had some things in common with the Indian Dreamcatcher stuff and and you know being a little bit out there. And, yeah. Well, they just both—they're both out there. Let's be honest, dude. Phil Jackson is as—he's as far out there as Dennis Rodman is. He just carries himself differently. Exactly. That's a great way to say it. Um, and yeah. So he said, and he even said like they sat down and Phil like just drilled this guy or grilled this guy, I think is the actual term with questions. And like, he was like real kind of, I don't know if he was abrasive about it, but he was like, he said, so who, who's putting this thing together? And he said, well, I am. And he said, where are you getting all your, where, where are you getting all your information? What, what, what makes you the person that you know to 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 that do should this. Be doing this. Yeah. yeah. And and the guy said, well, you know, I, I've read over ten thousand pages of uh documents and and all these books. I've read like every book about the team. And he's like, well, what books are they? Who whose books are they? And you know, he's like really kind of getting after yeah. the guy about I want to make sure this is done. Cor-. He said he's like Phil wanted to make sure this was going to be done correctly, and he wanted to know exactly how this was going to be done to make sure. You know everything was accurate. I and believe that because Philip has become a very, uh, a very personal guy, right? Like all of a sudden after the Lakers, like you don't nobody like Phil's even Phil like reverted back to his pre Bulls days where he's you know the hippie. You don't know I'm I'm my own guy. He's so, a recluse, you know yeah. I mean? Like yeah, a recluse. That's part. That's the word. You know what I mean? He, he he went back even further. Maybe it's because a guy like him doesn't. You know, had to put on a face for so long for the Bulls and the Lakers and all that, and being such mainstream, which obviously he's not a fan of. Right? Uh, maybe not obviously. Maybe he is somewhat of a fan of it because he went back to the to the Knicks and fell asleep at games and things like that. <laughs> but but uh, you know, so so I can, but I can see Phil Jackson after the way his career played out after the Lakers and with the Knicks and all that stuff. I could see him wanting to make sure, look, 
I've had some bad press here lately, man. I need this meet. This is the greatest thing I've ever been a part of. And I've been a part of some great stuff. I've been a part of, I've been a part of three separate three peats mm-hmm. of dynasty greatness. I want to make sure this is done right. So I could totally see him grilling a guy like that and, and being for real about. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, it was, I, I'm really enjoying these extra stories and these extra interviews that we're getting. Um, and then, you know, all week long, people like were like Tiger King. I didn't see any of the extra Tiger King stuff. I didn't see, I haven't seen any of the, I, I'm missing out on life. I'm missing out on life right now. Yeah. I, I is, is great as the documentary Tiger King was, or as, as mesmerizing and, and, uh, magnetizing as it was, it, as much as much as it drew everybody in, and people were crazy about it, um, because it's crazy. This yeah. it doesn't hold a candle to this documentary. I mean, just I think oh just for God, the sub, no, just for the subject matter alone. I mean, that was well, I. Sure. I watched you know every episode of the Tiger King at the same time because I watched the first one. I was like, wow, I got to see what happens on the second one, and then it went on and on. Yeah. But now, and you know, we don't have that choice right now. We got to wait another week, but for the next two yes. episodes. But it just makes you that more, much more excited about it, and you get all week to talk about the last two episodes, which is probably a big reason why they did this too, because you, you get, we get to come. Great, we get to come on and do our do a podcast on it because there's nothing else to talk about. Oh, except for the NBA, except for the NFL draft, not the NBA draft, <laughs> the NFL draft, uh, which will which which happen. Uh, and we will get into next week. We, we uh, yeah, we've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of time. The draft just happened. I feel like we need to get to it, and we didn't do it this week, which we probably should have. But uh, let's be honest. Me and Adam don't know any. We know about the NFL. We know what's going on in it. But if we're going to talk NFL draft, we need an insider. Yes, I'll tell you what. I know that the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow number one, and I know that they drafted another wide receiver. After that, I have no clue because I have not gotten into it and really looked looked up what happened in the draft. You know, well, you got me beat because I watched the first three draft picks and then turned it off. And <laughs> have not seen a thing afterwards, but I will get into it because we got Andre Edwards coming on uh, Bengals Insider, LockedOnBengals.com. Uh, uh, just a, just a, just an all around, uh, Bengals enthusiast and, and, uh, incredibly smart guy. He will be on next week. We will get into the draft with him and I promise I'll be prepared. Yes, I will too. Uh, but like you said, we're going to rely a lot on him to, uh, give us the information we really need about, uh, yeah. how the Bengals did. So, um, so that interested is to see what he one has to say about the last dance too. Yeah. Be- because he's, I mean, he, he's, uh, Three, he's probably four or five years older than you. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe about four. Somewhere so, yeah. in that range, maybe yep. four years older than you, five, six years older than me. Uh, I mean, it, it, the 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 '98 Bulls. I was, uh, let's see, I put put me at 15. Mm-hmm. I still consider that kind of young. Like, I feel like the teams I really remember. Maybe it's because it's more recent, but you know, you you remember those teams from the time you're. You're, you're, you know, 17, 18 till like 28, 29, 30 when it's like the prime of your life, right? Those yeah. are your, like, this was the prime of this dude's life was the Bulls of the 90s. 
Yeah. So I'm really, really interested to hear what he has to say. And he's a huge, he, yeah, he's a huge sports fan. He's not just a football guy. He's big, oh, big, big sports loves, fan all around. Yeah. yeah, loves loves UC basketball. Loves Reds baseball. I mean, he's he's a sports guy. He knows what he's he's he knows what he's doing. Um, yes. So so yeah, we will because we'll have a we'll have a full show next week. We will have. Uh, Andre on to talk about the Bengals draft. We'll talk to him about the. We'll, we'll get. We'll, he'll he'll help hey. us get going about the uh, about the last, last dance, dance, and then we'll have uh, we'll have some comedy next week. We we've got we, plenty. We will have Kevin Nealon next week. I I'm so sorry. I apologize that I did not watch it. We will have Kevin Nealon next week. We have all the time in the world for Kevin Nealon and whoever else we want to do. It's no big deal about this week. We had plenty to talk about. We're an hour and 48 minutes in, and all we talked about was The Last Dance. That's We talked about two episodes of a TV show. That's it. Next week, I will have my I will have a computer again. My computer blew up. I, I will have a computer. We will be hooked up to my board. Chris will again be producing the show from my house <laughs> instead of Adam. Uh, at his house right now doing it. God love you, Adam. You filled in great. I appreciate it. But two and a half, three hour shows, buddy, I, I'll get us through it. If I'm, when I'm not looking at a clock, I don't care. I can sit here and talk for days. When I'm looking at a clock, I, I, I'm going to try to get us going. So we'll, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we can keep next week under two hours. All right. We can, wow. That's going to be hard with all the stuff we've got. Um, so then, so then if we're keeping next week under two hours, I've got a couple really quick swipe left, swipe rights for you to, Whoa, to end the yes, show. Let's do it. Let's do it. To, to close things out. So um, we, we, we talk, we're going to talk more about football, the NFL draft next week. We've talked about basketball, baseball. They're still trying to figure out when and, and how they're going to structure a season uh, when they get started, if they get started anytime. And there's a lot of crazy ideas being floated around about how they're going to have to how they're going to have to redo everything. How the the schedule is obviously going to have to be completely redone. You're probably going to have some uh, realignment just for this year as far as who you're able to play. Uh, they're yep. probably going to be playing mostly or all plays, neutral site games. What's that? Interleague plays. Interleague plays going to be gone. But you, but you, but you might be playing. I mean, you unless they do all National League teams in Arizona and all American League you're teams think, in Florida or you're something. You're thinking you're thinking you're gonna okay. You're thinking it's gonna be more sectioned of the country. Well, where like you have the, the Midwest and the Northwest and the Southwest and the Northeast, where that's gonna be the bulk of your games. More than anything, I'm hearing the teams that have spring training in Arizona will play in Arizona. The sp- the teams that have spring training in Florida will play in Florida. So you're going to have a mix of National League and, and American League, and you're going to play all neutral all neutral site games because you can't watch a sports center. I've been watching too much news stuff. I've been watching <laughs> well, too much but nothing's news. official. I need, I need to get on ESPN. I don't know. I've never heard any of that. No, nothing's official. I was going through some, some some things that people are throwing out there, and I was gonna. I wrote all these things down, and I was gonna ask you about them. And some of them are so ridiculous. I'm too embarrassed to even bring them up. That's how stupid some of these things are. But a few of them are, I've heard in more than one case and more than a couple cases, and that could be very uh, that that very well are probably going to be part of this thing because you have to completely redo the schedule. You're going to play a, a limited number of games. They're talking about playing more doubleheaders, so you have to expand expand rosters. You have to. Uh, 
They're talking about maybe, you know, letting letting people re-enter when you take them out of game. I mean, there's all talking about seven inning games, possibly. Um, they're talking about, you know, the, the thing they were talking about where extra innings, you, why, you start why, with why, a guy why, at why, second base and stuff like, like why, all kinds why? of things. Because you have to try you to get the his... the same amount of games per day. You, are you going to be playing... Are you going to be playing a ton of double headers now? Yeah, they're talking about playing more double headers to try to get as many because they don't want to play a fifty-game season or something like that because it wouldn't. Not, dude, that's got to go through the CBA. You're not going to make it. Oh sure, yeah. Not, no, this is all going to. It's not. not going to. That's not going to. I'm going to tell you right now, these guys are not going <laughs> to want to play a shortened season. And on top of a shortened season, now all of a sudden have to play a bunch. They would rather shorten the schedule and play like a, a seventy-five game schedule than to play a hundred-game schedule. And have you know 15, 20 doubleheaders. There's, I'm telling you right now, sure. that won't happen. That won't happen for two reasons: one, CBA; two, pitchers' arms and the amount of relievers that you have to have. So now you're expanding rosters. Right. Now you're doing it. There's, no, I don't, I can't see that one happening. Don't, let's not do this. Let's not. <laughs> right. That's. I've got out you you really, yeah. especially because I haven't heard any of this yet. Right. So that's. I've got to really listen to what these people how they're bringing it into the to the scope of things yeah so without understanding how they're trying to integrate it i i just have my own opinion right off the top of my head right which usually is not good so <laughs> you you, you it's usually old school uh old man baseball that comes in so so there's going to be there are going to have to be a ton baseball is going to be completely different this year if they have any kind of season now so just having that in mind just knowing that you know things are going to be way way different Swipe left or swipe right on at just this season, universal DH. DH in every game. I, no, no, swipe left. I don't understand how that's going to – that doesn't make sense to me. That just seems like a way for Major League Baseball to try to integrate DH and try to like yeah. put a taste in everybody's mouth. I don't understand how that's going to uh, – how, how that's going to affect – if you say you're playing 75 games this year, what? Who, then you're playing 75 games. What? What? Why all of a sudden we gotta have a DH in here? Because well, that doesn't make sense to me. Because the way the schedule is gonna have to be broken up, and because realignment is gonna have to happen, like within divisions and stuff, you're not gonna. I don't okay. think you're gonna be able to play that. So you're gonna be. You're not gonna play the same amount of games against National League teams and American League teams as other teams are. You're going to you're going to play a disproportionate amount of games. So you're saying it wouldn't be fair to yeah. Some uh, teams' team pitchers are going to end up an American League team who has designed their team around the DH. They have to play a bunch of National League teams and have to not be able to use that DH in a bunch of their games because of how these these teams are now realigned. Okay, well, in that case, I feel a little more. I feel like I understand that a little bit more. And in that, you know what? If you are going to dis, dis, uh, proportionate the amount of games that National or American League teams are playing, and, and there's just no way to make sure everybody's equal, then uh, I guess, and, and it's going to be even more interleague play than before, mm-hmm. then I think I'm okay with that. It makes sense. Okay. Michael Lorenzen's our DH anyway, so... Right, right. Every team has a DH. It's You just have another bench guy. But I, I like, American League teams no. are... No, every team has a DH, Sure, when you talk about American National League, because it's just a guy off your bench. Right. But American League teams have a guy who is your designated DH I for 150 games or 100 and 
whatever, 128 games a year. Whereas the National League, they bring a DH in, but that's a bench guy. American League teams have a guy who plays every day as a DH. And so, I, no, I, I, I disagree with the fact that everybody has a DH. I don't think that's true. Okay. I think Edgar Martinez was a DH. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Right? Obviously, and, yes. And, and we don't have Edgar Martinez on the bench. Sorry. And I, that right. probably went too far. <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody else has Edgar Martinez. That's that's true. Right. Um but anyway, uh so Baines so, or Eddie Murray or Right. Or or David Ortiz. So David Ortiz. Okay, so then let me let me uh do the next one. Assuming that everybody wants to have because I think the the thinking is that if you have a fifty game, a seventy five game, even a ninety game season that's like only half or less than half of a season. I think people are worried about that not being a sufficient amount of games to really determine who should be in the playoffs, which that's another thing they're talking about adding more teams to the playoffs for this season because to, to give more teams a fair chance because there aren't as many games to prove yourself, which to me doesn't make sense. But forget about that. Um, because I think they, they're, they're going to want to play as many games as possible – and that's that could be double headers, and that could be uh, less days in between, uh, you know, less off days and stuff like that. They're going to try to cram, and that's why they're talking about these uh, new rules about expanding rosters and letting people come back in and and uh, playing shortened games. So if that's the case, if they're trying to cram as many games in and be as safe about it as they can be, swipe left or swipe right on. Let's just say if you're playing a doubleheader, seven inning, seven inning games for doubleheaders. Um, I, I, I swipe I swipe left of that because uh, too too much of baseball is statistical, and um, I, I I just unless you can find a way to make sure everybody plays the same amount of doubleheaders. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't I don't like seven inning games in Major League Baseball. I don't I just don't like that. I I want you to play a full game. A full game is nine innings. It is what it is. That's a full game of baseball. You set your team up around nine innings of baseball. I don't want to see teams start doing ridiculous. Now, I don't want to say ridiculous, but you know somebody like a Joe Madden who whenever he plays a doubleheader decides he's gonna you know. For, completely do something weird with his like start a second baseman as a pitcher in a second game or yeah. just just because this that or the other i don't want that i want i want baseball and i know i'm still getting baseball but i still want i would rather you play 70 games or 50 games or 60 games and not go not try to cram as many games as possible just say everybody plays this amount of games but we're still playing nine innings. We're still playing. Maybe maybe the interleague play is more. Maybe if you want to do this, where there's no fans and your every game's in Arizona, every game's in Florida. If you want to do that, you can do it. But I want when I do watch a game, I still want it to be baseball. Sure. Now seven that- innings is not baseball. That's I mean that's college baseball. Du- double headers in the minor leagues are seven innings right now. Good, um, good for them. So that's, they—that's they, not Major League Baseball. That's not 
That's not what I watch. When I watch the Reds and it's a doubleheader, I want to watch two nine-inning baseball games. Gotcha. So, but even even though it's if they try to get as many games in as possible in order to get a, a, as close to a full season as they can in. You know what? It's they, a, I don't care. At this point in time, this is so crazy. I don't care about getting the most amount of games in as possible. Gotcha. Everybody plays the same amount, the same amount of games. They play the same amount of games. It's just short. Look, the strike years. The strike years have happened. You know, in, in 88, uh, was it 88 or, or yeah, 88? There was two separate seasons. Like, and and then so there's the, and the the winner of both seasons or whatever halves came together and played. There's so many weird things that have happened. I just want. I don't, you don't need to try to do all these double headers. I don't need all that. Mm-hmm. Just play fifty games. So you will. So fifty games. Whoever comes out of that, the best teams out of those fifty games, that's who plays the playoff series. Yeah. And you're good with that. Play half a year. Play half a year, and whoever would have won that first half of the year, that's who wins. That's it. Everybody's got this. Everybody's in the same boat. Mm-hmm. We're all. It, it's, it's. It's. Nobody has an advantage because of it. It is what it is. Everybody has to is playing by those rules, so let's do it. Yeah. Um, so then this last one, then it, it, it is going to be. I already know. <laughs> I already know then because based on your how you're thinking about the whole thing. So ties. They're talking about allowing ties. Um, so if if a Jesus game goes. Allowing fucking ties. I can't stand <laughs> ties. I hate ties more than anything in the world. I think I would probably watch and like soccer. If there, if you couldn't tie, like just go to penalty kicks every time. If they, you got an overtime or extra time and all this stuff, and then it's tied, well, it's over. No, I need a winner. I need somebody to win the game. I can't end a game in a tie. At my house, if I'm playing anything, it doesn't matter what it is. Nothing can end in a tie. Shoot, I used to play one-on-one basketball where not only could it not end in a tie, but you couldn't beat somebody by one. You had to win by two. We might play for days because I got to beat you by two. In right. volleyball, you got to win by two. Yeah, there's a lot. That's that's usually in in playground basketball. You have to win by two or park basketball. Forget or whatever. ties. Let's now make it. You can't have a one run game in this. <laughs> I want more extra inning games now. If I you want to make it to where we're trying to get more baseball in, let's just have more extra inning games. You got to win every game by two now. That's ex- that's exactly what they're the op- they're trying to prepare for the opposite of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> to try to get more games in and I keep players, that, that, they're they're talking about player safety here. So they're talking about trying to get more games in, but maybe having if the if you have to end the game on a tie after ten innings, or if you have to uh, shorten, you know, play a few more double headers and make them seven innings or whatever uh, to to or, you know and add more players and stuff like that to rosters to in order to um to to keep players safer. Um, and try to get it, it, as much of a season in as you can. That's I think that's where these things are coming from. Um, so that's the idea swipe behind left. some of these what ideas. What's that? What do you say? I say swipe left. What do you say? You say swipe ties. left to, to all of those things, I right? What you say. No, I know, but I want to know specifically what you think about ties. I, it's not going to surprise you, but um, I, I can be okay with them because – you're still what? that does surprise me. You're one of the most competitive people on a on a field or on a court that I've ever played basketball with in my on a basketball court. You're one of the most competitive people I've ever played with. When you're I'm like, playing the, basketball, you are, yeah, you are literally one of those people that you hear all.
all the time about when they step across the line, they're a different person. When you're on a basketball court, you really are a whole different person. Yeah. And that surprises me that you would all of a sudden, that not all of a sudden, that you would be okay with ties in a game. But I'm good with ties on almost everything else, right? I want I want there to be co co MVPs and, and all that kind of stuff. Okay with the game ending in a tie. Right. No, but two I, overtimes. But we're, two overtimes. We're t- I hit a three at the end of the second overtime. You're up by three. I hit a three at the end of the second overtime to tie it. You're okay with us walking off the court together? My that my point is, me playing in a basketball game that I'm playing in is a billion times different than a than hundreds and hundreds of baseball games that I'm watching throughout a year that I'm not involved in at all. <laughs> We're talking about sure. very different things. Saying. That competitive drive in. doesn't translate to those games for me. So it no. Doesn't. See, it does for me. My competitive, my, I am, I feel that for the players. Cause I, I know those players have got to feel if they wouldn't have made it that far, if they didn't have a competitive edge to them. Like, like somebody like you or, or, or I used to have. I don't have that anymore, to be honest. I step on a basketball court. I, I could care either. less who wins or loses. But uh, back in the day, I wouldn't talk to anybody for two or three days if I lost a rec league baseball game, you know? So I believe to make it to the level they're at, I, don't, I can't see that. I can't see that. I feel like they would – I feel like if I were in their shoes, I could not live with a tie. No, I feel like I couldn't do it. So, but, you know, you're playing so, 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 so many games. And if you come up with, you know, say you play, say they play 90 are games. We talking about a regular, are we talking about a, in, the, in like next year when we get a full season? No. Now or are we still talking about right now? So, just so, just so for the shortened season. less games than I normally play. Yeah, just, just for the shortened season. So it's not so, 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 so many games. It's actually less games. So well, it's no, like, hmm, I'm not playing as many games this year. But you're still playing a lot of games. I don't know. We have no idea what that number is going to be. But that's the thing. They're trying to get as many games. That's part of the whole thing. They want to get as many games in as possible, which is why double headers and that kind of And that's why they don't want games to go on and on and on. 10, 11, 12, 14, 16, 18 innings because that's more, that's more dangerous to the players. Because they're what is the what is the website or the the group that like Tim Kirchin always goes to that uh, gives them all stats when he needs a stat he goes to it's not Elias maybe it is the Elias Sports whatever Elias is one of them yeah okay so I want I want those guys to tell me what are the percentages of games that go past ten innings. Yeah, I'm sure that's something they would consider too. I'm sure they would and look into like that. Percent of total games in all of Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. I don't give three craps about two percent of the games. Two percent of seventy games is not going to all of a sudden. No, I don't want you to make a a, a rule change to the league because what they do coming up this year, I can guarantee these are all things that they're going to try to push into the following years when you talk about stuff like ties and seven inning double headers and putting somebody on second uh, when you get to the tenth inning and all this other stuff. Those are things they're gonna they're gonna do it this year. If they do it this year, they're gonna try to push it and make it, oh, everybody's got a feel for it. They're used to it now. 
let's get it going every on every the uh, on the everyday world of our baseball or the every season world of our baseball. Okay, so so there's a lot there's a lot we could talk about. We could get into we could talk all day long about this whole thing and all these different possibilities and everything. Literally, I could do this all day. Long. I know you could. I know you could. Um, but I'm I'm definitely more okay with ties. At the end, if you play 50 games or you play 120 games, at the end. Your record is going to be what it is. If you end up in a tie where you have the same amount of wins, losses, and ties as somebody else, and it matters to whether you make the playoffs or not, you're going to play that game 163. So yeah, no matter I, what I, – I, I know that. No matter what, it's going to end up that way. I can't walk off a field. I can't walk off a field as a professional – with a tie, I can't do it. I, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. It's about I'm the big picture, buddy. About the big I picture. Can't do it. The big picture. The big picture. You just said game one sixty three, and the big picture you're talking about, I assume, is the fact that this is going to be a shortened season. Yes, but uh, over a full Those season. Are two different things. No, over a full. <laughs> over a full season, you have. That's the big picture. Like your ties might not matter at all. Those those games might not mean anything. So you're already bringing ties into next year's 162-game season. No. That's, game 163 is a term. If they play 50 games, then we're talking about game 51. If we're playing 75 games, we're talking about game 76. You know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't have time for this. We don't have time we don't. for this. So you, sw- you swiped left on all those ideas, and I'm uh, – yes. I'm 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 sw- I'm I'm gonna swipe right on those ideas just for this season because that's all I'm thinking about. It's not is- gonna happen. You can't tell you can't tell me that whatever happens now isn't going to go isn't gonna be, be put into effect or they're not gonna try everything they can to put it in effect for the future. This is a com- this is a one hundred percent completely different circumstance. I some of these ideas are things that they've already talked about as possibilities for the future but a lot of these things yeah. are not are only for this only for the season because you're going to have to change so much about how you schedule uh and, and how you align the entire league who's going to play who when and how that's go, how that's all going to work i think because there's going to be so much change with that stuff you're going to have to change some rules that have been in place for since the 1800s since baseball was first invented and it's going to be hard for people like us that don't want to see change to something that's been the same all the time this is a totally different thing and i don't see most of this stuff being a thing that they're going to try to put in the following year or whatever whenever things get back to normal i think this is just for we have to look at it like it's just for this season all right, if it's just for this season, I don't care what we do. Let's mess everything up. I care less. <laughs> that's but where I'm at. You gotta, have a, you gotta have something signed next to it that says that's it. We ain't playing around with with baseball next year. I don't think anybody else is thinking that way, man. I think you're. <laughs> they've been talking about this stuff with ties for years now. But they, they've been talking about putting people on second for years. But like it's a. Nine-year league baseball. You just said it already does that. Yeah. With. With with um, extra with double headers, they already play seven inning games. So yes, they are thinking about it. The things they put into the minor league are things they put there to see how they work to use them in the major leagues. Yes. So I don't think that these things are all going to be just one year things. I think they're things they're trying to implement 
and this gives them an opportunity to implement them faster. Yeah, I, I, I just I disagree. Some of them, like I said, some of them are things they've been talking about, and some of them some of them are things they're trying in the minor leagues. But this is a this is a, a completely this is a, a special. Uh, <laughs> this is a different thing than any other thing we've ever seen. They have to change on the fly the way everything works this year to make this season work. Next year doesn't even matter right now. I'm fine with that, but it's got to be. It's got to have a. It's got to have a caveat of this isn't happening next year. Yeah, no, I think that's automatic. I don't think anybody is worried about that. I don't think it's automatic as you think it is. All right. I, I, they wouldn't I, have I could be things in the minor leagues if they weren't thinking about trying to make them happen but it, in the major. But it, it, it's a couple of these things, yes, but they're going to make a lot more changes like that this year because they have to, because it's different. Like DH, because of those things, I don't care about that. That's different to me. But when That's you start I mean. changing the fundamental rules of how many innings you play and letting someone be on base – at the beginning of an inning, that's... They're really strange to think about, yes. Yes, and I that one specifically, I still don't like, even for this shortened season. But but that's I, why I'm, I'm that's why I'm more... You may, in, in softball, like in leagues that I play in, if it goes to extra innings, they need that game over because they've got an hour to an hour and ten minutes for a game. Mm-hmm. And if it goes to extras, you got to get that game over with. So you get a guy on second because somebody's got to score. Right. Yep. Yeah, um... So anyway, that this was isn't uh, about quickening the game. It's about getting a, more games in, right? So Safely for the players. Why we have to quicken? Why we have to make the game shorter? Why do we have to make the game shorter when I can't get any more games in in a day? Well, no, that's that's they want to get more games in it. If they can play more double headers to get more games in, that's why they want to shorten games and not and let them end in ties so that. Because you have no idea how long a game can go if it's a tie. Um, that's why. That's why they want to do it. I hate it. I hate it. I, I know. I, I, I know. hate it. I can. I can. see it. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, that's all. That's that's all we've got for for this week. Um, we got a lot of stuff for next week. We already talked about it. So I'm gonna let you take it away. You say the swipe left, swipe rights for the end of it. I should not have done that. I should not have done those at all, as a matter of fact. I get excited when you start talking to me about my sport, which is baseball. I so, know it. Anyway, on that note, until next week, don't forget to turn your headlights on.